Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Beer and Money uh, here on Talk Shoe as part of the PWP Nation Network. Uh, you could always check out PWP Nation on Facebook, facebook.com slash PWP Nation, pwpnation.com, and you can follow <coughs> excuse me, all of us on Twitter at PWP Nation. Also on pwpnation.com, you can check out a wide variety of articles, editorials, reviews, previews, and so much more. And with Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season about to amp up, there is going to be a boatload of content. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, hitting the site. So definitely check it out. Okay. So, with that said, boy, what an interesting 72 hours. And I am just waiting for Chris to get on because there is a lot to get into. Uh, Just some of the topics we're going to discuss. Wrestle Kingdom 11, um, the fallout from that, uh, the first two WWE Hall of Fame inductees have been revealed, although none of them, to me, scream headliner, even... In the Ted DiBiase years, um, any of the two names so far that have been revealed are not headliners. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, some contract statuses for some Ring of Honor stars. Uh, Kenny Omega sent out a tweet this morning in regards to what his immediate plans are. Um, also, we'll Look at last night's impact um, as as they had their first show under the anthem umbrella. We'll look we'll look at that, and also uh, we're gonna preview the rumble a little more. And of course, the big news from last night's uh, NXT taping that I'm gonna be honest with you, up until. About 6 o'clock last night, I, I had no clue they were taping NXT last night. None. I, I knew they, I thought they were a show short before the Rumble. Um, I mean, not the Rumble, but before TakeOver, but I thought they could have done a preview show. It turns out they had three short. I didn't realize they were that, they were short that many. Um, but yeah, some big, big news, and... Also, some news if you're looking, I guess it could be classified a little bit spoilerish. If you're looking into the statuses of a couple of talents 
on the Ross on uh, NXT. Um, you know, based on things that happened last night or didn't happen. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get into that. So a lot, a lot to get into. Um, first thing before we get into any of that, I wanna. Take a look at the Dolph Ziggler heel turn from Tuesday night. And besides the fact that I guess you could say it was coming and it's been brewing, I guess maybe I think it's going to be a fresh thing for Ziggler. I could see him going through the ladder of faces like Kalisto like um, Apollo Crews. Uh, I could even see a Zach, uh, not Zach Ryder, uh, Mojo Rawley, just based on the guys in the locker room. Uh, the one guy I was a little surprised was Rhino. Um, I thought it looked like Rhino was going to be heading to end towards a breakup and a heel turn with, with Heath Slater. Uh, that was not... I don't know what's going on with that. They were in, I think they were in the tag team gauntlet match, and they were in the battle royal. And I don't think there's been much done with the breakup ever since Talking Smack. Although I guess it is something they could uh, go back and revisit. I know Slater got a little banged up. Uh, I think it was in the turmoil match. I think he was going to come off the top and... I think he slipped, and the initial fear was he may have torn something, but I think he just he just tweaked something and was just torn aching. I know he hasn't been on TV since, so that, that could be what it is. They're just waiting for Slater to, um, I guess, maybe just heal up a little, and then they could probably go and revisit that. You could have them lose a random tag match and then have Rhino uh, I gore him. Um, but... You know, Ziggler, I don't know what you do with Ziggler at this point. Um, You know, we've talked about this a million times. The the SummerSlam match, to me, I know a lot of people will be Dean Ambrose, but at the end of the day, Ziggler was a part of that match too. And just as bad as Ambrose was in that match, and I think that's part, you know, of what Austin was talking about on the podcast, Ziggler didn't exactly do anything to jump up and get Ambrose through that match. I know the matches with Miz were phenomenal, but I'm going to be honest, I'm starting to think that's more of a credit to how ridiculously good Miz has been in the last year than it was just for Dolph. Uh, Miz has been ridiculous. You know, you know, everyone looks at post WrestleMania and the and the IC title one, but everyone forgets Miz was initially a part of the AJ Styles Chris Jericho angle and Miz had matches with AJ and Jericho and the matches were just just great and I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, AJ could carry Miz to a great match. Jericho can carry Miz to a great match, but I got to be honest, I think as far as Miz goes, I think we're past that point of, oh, well, so-and-so, 
just carried them uh, through a great match. I, I think Miz is getting to that point where you start looking at Miz as being the guy as to why the match uh, with whoever was was really good and, and you know, in some cases sold the show. I know they had a, um, a steel cage match at Madison Square Garden over the holidays, and keep in mind, that was a show that had AJ... Ambrose and Cena on top, and from I didn't go to it, but from some people I know who went, they said the Ziggler Miz Steel Cage match was just ridiculous, so ridiculously good, and I think that really shows where we are with Miz at this point, and you know he's he's a guy that you could really look at and say if there's a guy that's done. Everything and anything ever asked of him by the company, no matter what the situation was, no matter what the role was, it, it's it's been him, and he he's so invaluable. I I've said it, and I know some of the guys will kind of grunt and groan about it, but if if you're going to turn AJ face, and if there's any type of scenario where AJ holds on to the title into Mania, and I know with the Cena rumors and even to a degree Undertaker. I know that's seeming less and less likely. Um, you know, I thought WWE would have learned their lesson from Punk Debacle, but they may not. I mean, if there's a guy that if you want to turn AJ face, I, I'd go with Miz. I, I think Miz could work with AJ as an amazing heel. Um, I think in-ring-wise, I thought they touched good, very good, uh, around this time last year, give or take a little after this, when AJ had debuted. I think they could touch phenomenal this time around. And Miz's character even gaining more heat. That's the other part, too. Like, no, I don't know how many people really understand the value that Maurice has brought to his character as well. You know, just the simple fact that she came back, what that has added to her and to him. And it's just, Miz this year and, you know, oh, it's got to be, you know, Nakamura or Joe or, or whatever or Hardy or Jericho or, you know, uh, whoever for Wrestle of the Year. But I'm going to tell you, he deserved a lot a lot of serious consideration for that award. Um, you know, and the guy the guy has stuck through some thick and thin with the company, too. I mean, I could have easily... I, I've always said this, that I've always felt, had R-Truth not gotten suspended in 2011, they probably, because it could have played into the story for the match at WrestleMania... They probably could have beaten The Rock and John Cena at that Survivor Series match, and you still could have had the same ending where uh, Rocky, Rock Bomb Cena, and you know Rock's music plays at the end. I, I think you could have done all that had a miscommunication between Rock and Cena, and had Awesome Troop win that match, and then still have the dramatics 
at the end. I, I, I have always said that from just about day one, had Truth Not got suspended, I would have thought. And you know what? If Miz would have turned around and said, F this, you know, I'm, I'm whatever, he would have been justified. He would have been justified, you know, for all the things he's done for that company. And it is true. It is true. If, if You know, he is literally the poster boy for whatever it's needed, and he's done it over the years. All right, Chris is on, so I want to jump right into everything. Hey, Chris, you there? Hey, sorry about that. Uh, no, nah, nah, it's okay. We got a... Uh... Uh, ice storm coming tomorrow. We might get some snow for once, so everyone's kind of excited down here. Uh, okay, yeah, we got a little snow last night actually, and you know people were of course freaking out as usual. Mm-hmm. So if you own if you own the grocery store, you probably did pretty good around ten o'clock last night. Mm-hmm. So you know, because heaven forbid you don't buy twelve gallons of milk for an inch of, an inch of snow if that. But uh, what's going on? Well, you know, just just doing good, just uh. Just recovering from uh, this uh, crazy week. Uh, yesterday, uh, the internet was the internet traffic was pretty crazy. Just a lot of stories went up going around at once. Uh, a lot of news for TNA. A lot of news for Ring of Honor. A lot of news for Lucha on the Ground. Some news for WWE. News for New Japan. Uh, um, that's well, really how right. I started. It I was. Didn't hear, uh, I didn't hear the Lucha stuff. Why don't what what's up what's up with Lucha? Um, what's going on with Lucha? It's not uh, it's not horrible news, but it's not good news either. Uh, what's basically going on is uh, season four was supposed to start filming uh, early February, and it's going to end around like um, uh, late spring. So like from February to like uh, like uh, Mayish. And unfortunately, what's going on is uh, there's some financial stuff going on, and the filming for season four got moved to, like, November of 2017, um, which isn't good. Uh, Basically, how it works for Lucha, I don't know the precise details, but how it works, or at least how it worked in the past, you know, because Lucha Underground is is presented like it's a TV show, show, not not a promotion. So how it's worked in the past is basically it's like all the people that are working, like the talent itself, the camera staff, uh, the commentators, everyone involved, how it was in the past was like they would be informed, like, hey, make sure between months of so-and-so to so-and-so that you don't have any other type of obligations. That way you can show up. So, for instance, they could say, like, in the past, hey, between the months of January and March, make sure you don't have any other bookings. Make sure you're free so that you're available to come and do tapings and whatnot. So what happens is a lot of the staff that works for Lucha on the Ground, they go ahead of time to make sure that they don't have any conflicts during that time so they can film. But what happens here is that, you know, a lot of the talents, they set it up beforehand, you know, last year in 2016, they made sure that during this time that they wouldn't have any conflicts, only to be told, actually, we're not working until, like, November. So now, all of a sudden, a lot of the dudes there are, you know, um, they're, they don't have any work to do. That now all of a sudden they got, you know, they need to get paid. You know, they got to feed their family somehow. And now there's going to be a conflict because you thought you were free in this month, so you went and booked something. Now you got to mm-hmm. cancel that booking because odds are the lucha, your, your lucha commitments, right. the way the deals are structured, from what I understand, is besides the fact that you're not you're not signed for like two years. 
Mm-hmm. You're signed for two seasons. Seasons, right. And that's, it's, that's it, how it, it works. It, it, what it is is it's not just the filming. of it's, From what I understand, it's the airing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it's that's not, okay, we wrapped it in March, but if season, whatever, four doesn't air until September, you're not free until that season four ends in, like, November. Mm-hmm. So, right, right. Yeah, this is, I didn't hear about this. This is This is brutal. Well, what's going on really with them as a company is um, they're not they're they're not growing. Um, right now, they're on El Rey Network, and I had never heard of El Rey until Lucha Underground started. Uh, to use TNA as an example, TNA they've gone from channel to channel, but every channel they've been on so far, I have heard of. It's just a network that I may or may not watch, like Destination America. I knew about Destination America because uh, my mom, she watches that network, and uh, they have, like, ghost hunters, you know, where people, like, go look Mm -hmm. at haunted houses and stuff. Uh, They also have, like, uh, uh, shows on Destination America, like, about, uh, you know, obscure areas where not that many people live, like Wyoming, uh, Washington, the state, Alaska, you know, like, where people find cabins and, like, want to, live out in the middle of nowhere. So I knew about Destination America. Uh, I knew about Pop TV. Pop TV used to be the preview channel back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, it used to turn, depending on where you lived, it was like Channel 100 or Channel Zero, and you would just see what was on. And mm-hmm. since then, the, the channel has changed. you get like a movie. A right. really old movie, but you'd get a movie. Right, right. Know? So I, I knew about the channels that TNA has been on. I just may or may not watch them. And when TNA moved there, it was like, okay, well, there's a reason to watch them. Uh, Lucha has been on the LRA network, and unfortunately that is a network that a lot of providers don't have. And, you know, since Lucha started, I mean, when they did season one, uh, season one was obviously very good. It created a lot of buzz. Um, and the show was good. And anyone that's actually watched the show, they can tell. Like, to anyone that hasn't watched the show, uh, the filming and the presentation, the best way I can describe it is, like I said before, it looks very similar to the Desperado movie with Antonio Banderas. It looks just like that movie. Um, the backstage vignettes, they're, they're very theatrical and filmed. It's not like, you know, uh, a WWE or TNA or whatever, where it's like there's a match. And, and backstage, like, you know, they're literally backstage, like, no, like, all the segments and vignettes are they're filmed and theatrical. Like, that's what it looks like. It literally looks like uh, the, the, uh, uh, the movie with Antonio Banderas, Desperado. So yeah. you can tell it's very, very uh, expensive, and um, and the the venue that they're shooting at is also very very much to 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 host that. And then at the same time, you have to pay the roster. And so while this is going on, uh, they're not doing any uh, live events. You know, like there's been you know, Ring no of Honor. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a few merch, but not as much merch as there should be. I think there's merch for like Lucha on the Ground T-shirts, but as far as like individual people on the roster having their merch. No, there's there's not. Um, they're not doing any live events. Like, you know, Ring of Honor does yeah. live events. TNA, they do live events every so often. You know, they're one-night-only pay-per-views. They, they don't do much money, but it's something. So it's like they're not doing live events. They're not doing DVDs or something like that. So they're not really doing anything to grow. So even though the show is good, the unfortunate reality is that they're losing more money than they're making more money. So some type of compromise needs to be made. When Lucha Underground Season 1 first ended, there was a strong uh, Internet campaign to, 
get Lucha on Netflix. It was on Netflix, right? You, right, right. Yeah, and most recently, I think yesterday or two days ago, we talked about it where uh, it's confirmed that later this year, uh, TNA will be on Hulu, which is actually well, a... Yeah, but let, hang on a second. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people are missing the reality of the facts of TNA on on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And I did a little digging on it. Hulu did not go out and get TNA to put on Hulu. Hulu went out and got Pop and everything that's on Pop. And to me, that's a, there's a big difference with that. You know, WWE's on Hulu. It's not that Hulu went out and got USA and Rogers and SmackDown just happened to be on it. That's what's going on. That's how TNA is getting on Hulu. I just, I've seen a lot of people like, oh my God, look at what, look at this, and making it seem like this is going to be the saving grace for TNA. It's not. If, if, if TNA, for whatever reason, ends up off pop, TNA is off Hulu. So I, I just, I just want to get some clarity as to what it was that actually mm-hmm. transpired this week with that. Because, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of people were under the impression, and the way it was being reported was Hulu picked up TNA, Hulu picked up Pop, mm-hmm. and TNA just happens to be on Pop. And to me, there's a big difference with that. Right. Uh, well, what this means going forward is um, Lucha is not in uh, is not in, is not in trouble. They're still going to start their filming later, but uh, right now, as of now, until something changes, uh, season four will take uh, much longer to do, which is which is bad because the the bad the, the good thing about Lucha is the bad thing about Lucha um, is something that uh, you know Triple H is going to try to do, where you know he's going to try to make the CWC season two later this thing, you know, so uh, because Lucha Underground is a TV show, they take breaks, just like any TV show would, and uh, and so the problem is, is that when their current season finishes, you know, they'll, they won't be on TV for like over six months now, so you don't want to be off TV too long, because mm-hmm. when you're off TV too long, there's no buzz about your, your, your show, and you know that that's going to be hard. So, what, what exactly does this mean for the future of uh, Lucha? Well, overall, they'll be okay still, but some type of compromise needs to be made. Um, they, they either, either two things need to happen: they need to relocate and film somewhere else, which would change the dynamic of the show entirely, or you know, the whole campaign to try to get them featured on Netflix or some other streaming service needs to be done. As far as how this is going to affect the talent. Um, for the most part, the majority of the talents that are in Lucha are very loyal, and they have a, a cult following in the Indies, so most of them will stay with Lucha despite the problems. But there are a few that might kind of look at this and be like, well, you know, I really appreciate you guys for what you're doing, but I think it's time for me to make money mm-hmm. elsewhere. So there's there's a few names that uh, I would be a little concerned about as far as when it comes to making money. Uh, Ricochet, you're starting to see him. Um, he's starting to slowly progress his way up the card. And New Japan, he's starting to refer to himself as King Ricochet now. Uh, at first, he was kind of like a, just a tag team guy. And now, all of a sudden, in New Japan, you're starting to see him work against more Bullet Club guys. So uh, you're starting to see the writing on the wall. It's just a matter of time before uh, Ricochet 
wins a singles title, like a junior title or an intercontinental title. And when something like that happens, he's going to be on the radar by other companies to you know, try is. to work for them. He, he already uh, is. It, it's yeah. not going to take that. He's, they, they, if, if Ricochet called Hunter today and said, listen, I'm free, Hunter would turn around and be like, what do you, what do you need? What do you need sent to you? Yeah, there's another one. Uh, another one they got to worry about is uh, uh, this guy hasn't really gotten a break. No pun. He seems very talented, but uh, he's been um, he's been hurt for the past year or so, uh, probably because he just needs to tone down his style. But uh, there's another gentleman uh, from Lucha, and his name is Angelico. He's from South Africa, like Justin Gabriel. He has a very unique look, um, just a very unique style. He's very tall. Um, a lot of people compare him to AJ Styles, a younger. AJ Styles, he definitely does give off like a like an early NWA X Division uh, AJ vibe. Uh, he's got like uh, his hair is sort of tie dye, kind of like how Seth Rollins used to have it when he first came to NXT. Uh, and he's done a lot of death defying stuff. Uh, what makes him different is he does a lot of high flying moves, but he's very very tall. He kind of has like a pretty boy thing. He reminds me of a lot of people. I, I can't really. Uh, I really can't say there's one person in particular. There's just a lot of stuff in him. He's got a little bit of AJ. Uh, he's even got a little bit of Alex Wright in him. I thought Alex Wright was good, too. Alex Wright could have definitely have gone further. But WCW just, you know, they relegated him as a comedy guy, which was fine because they had a lot of serious cruiserweights anyway. But um, And, of course, WWE has been interested in getting uh, John Morrison back for a while now. Uh, he's currently Lucha on the ground champion. So, um, you know, they would love to he's have him. The yeah, he's the champion right now. He's the champion right now. He's doing his thing with the uh, worldwide underground. Uh, his faction consists of himself, uh, Justin Gabriel, um, Jack Evans, and Talia. Talia is very good. Um, I know a lot of folks are talking about how much the Miz has improved, but John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, he improved a lot last year. Um, uh, Talia uh, is one of the students from Lance Storm's school. She's yeah. very good. And uh, I would very much like to see uh, Johnny Mundo or John Morrison or whatever name he wants to call himself as. I would like to see him and Talia um, come to WWE or basically come back to America. When John Morrison first was in Lucha Underground, what basically happened was he was he was kind of a face. They were using him. Uh, when the show first started, they were smart. Uh, it was mostly Mexico guys, and they had a few names that, you know, uh, uh, an American fan would recognize. And then halfway through season one, they turned him heel. At the was time, that when he fans... was doing a series of matches with Del Rio? Right, 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 right. Okay. He was doing a series of matches with Del Rio, right? And um, the, the story that they did was Del Rio was basically like, you know, you're good, but, like, you're, you're only good at a certain level. Yeah, and, you're uh, not as good as me. Um, right. You're and, good, I'm better, yeah. And didn't they right. have like a series of matches and then And then it ended with him turning heel and uh, when he turned heel what happened was he threw the Rio uh through Dario Cueto's window, similar to what Shawn Michaels did to Marty Jannetty. And uh so when he first turned heel a lot of fans were like, Hmm, you because know, um, you know, Morrison was a good wrestler in WWE, but the thing that the one criticism he always got was, you know, um his personality, like a charisma so when he first turned heel, it's like, hmm, you know, let's let's see what we can do. But uh, to Johnny, to Johnny's credit, um, he's been a good heel, and uh, his his thing with Talia, they have really good chemistry. Uh, in fact, most fans feel that his chemistry with Talia is actually better 
and the chemistry he had with Molina. Uh, I've heard stories about Molina for years, but as they say, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I've never met her personally. I've had, I have a lot of friends that have met her at conventions, and they had nice things to say about her. So I don't, I don't doubt that she's a nice person. But I remember she debuted like in the original Ultima Lucha, the, the first season one finale of Lucha Underground. So Molina debuted. Next thing I know, I remember doing the transition to season two. There were stories that Melina was a drama queen and she wasn't willing to do what was told. Next thing you know, they just they showed this Talia chick to replace her. So a lot of fans were like, "Well, who's this Talia chick?" And you know, at first, fans were like, "Okay, well, I guess she's just a random chick." But just over time, uh, their chemistry worked. Um, I think that Talia and John Morrison are far better on-screen couple than Melina. What John Morrison did, like basically what he did, I'll give him credit for this. He's not very charismatic and stuff. So what he did was uh, he started to do uh, segments that he was comfortable with. And uh, I know Jay from PWP Nation, he's a huge, huge workout enthusiast. So I remember he actually tweeted some tweets to John Morrison, basically complimenting him for his work. If there's anyone out there that hasn't seen some of the videos he's done, basically what John Morrison started to do was uh, he would do workout videos, like of the different parkour stuff he does, like, you know, his abdominal muscle exercise stuff. And um, basically he would just show himself doing exercises. And then as he was exercising, he would say something sarcastic like, I know, amazing, right? You'll never do it or you'll never be as good as I am. Or, you know, what is this for? What is this for? Well, I'm doing this so that way when you try to punch me in the face, I'll punch you harder. You know, I just, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then just gradually over time, it just worked. It just clicked. Um, and then Talia would interfere in his matches, kind of like how Maurice uh, interferes. But the way that Talia interferes, it's not like it's, – it's usually like indirect stuff, sort of like what Maurice does with Miz. It's not like Maurice directly interferes in the match, like distracting the ref, stuff like that. And then gradually over a period of time, um, uh, guys like Jack Evans and uh, Justin Gabriel, uh, they joined John, John Morrison – and uh, you can tell that in Lucha Underground, especially Justin Gabriel, you can tell that they're just having fun, which is great. They they needed that, you know, because Jack Evans never really got a fair shake in TNA. Justin Gabriel never got a fair shake in WWE. So, so you can tell they're just having fun. But that's their faction. Their faction is the worldwide underground. So it's four of them. So all four of them have kind of elevated each other. I know for a while now WWE has been um has been interested and, um, you know, getting John Morrison back. And to John Morrison's credit, I remember he even said once that uh, he was taking acting classes because he knew that, you know, his personality was his lacking area. So he's kind of one of those dudes that, like, he's aware of his weakness and he's yeah. trying to do something to fix it, which I can, I'll give him props for. Because most dudes that, you know, they know that they're weak in something, they're just like, whatever, I'll just go to the indies where that stuff doesn't matter. So he's yeah. kind of one of the few guys that knows that he had a weak area and he's doing what he can to fix it. That way, if he does go back to WWE someday, mm-hmm. he'll I'll be more. Right, right. So I, I can respect that. So, But jo- those three, I'd say uh, Ricochet, uh, Angelico, and uh, John Morrison are probably the, the big three that I will be the most concerned about as far as, like, you know, they, they'll probably look at the Lucha situation and be like, okay, we really appreciate what you've done. We're going to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the, the only one that fans would like to see uh, elsewhere is uh, Pentagon Jr. But from what I understand, uh, I don't know the exact details. I believe WWE actually owns the Pentagon name. I don't know why. I'm sure it's got something to do with some company absorption from years back. So if Pentagon Jr. was able to leave 
uh, Lucha Underground. If he actually went to, like, WWE someday, he would have to get a new name entirely, sort of like what Sami Zayn did with El Generico. Um, but I, I think Pentagon Jr. would probably, as for right now, I think he should just stay where he is. I think he's, he's better off in the Indies in Mexico. But I'm not saying I wouldn't be against him. Um, mm-hmm. He's very similar to Shinsuke Nakamura. Who's the one that they wanted for the Cruiserweight Classic? They wanted King Cuerno. That's, That's who they okay. wanted. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what his status is because I think he's done because he has not been on season three at all. So he may be gone. And I, I do know that he wanted to be on part of the CWC and Lucha wouldn't let him because of some, some contract dispute. I forgot why. Um, he's a very good talent. So I mean, he has not been on season three. Uh, he's not working AAA. He's not working anywhere in Mexico. He's just off the grid, so I don't know where he is. For all we know, he might could be, be waiting for that thing to to just run out and right, right, you right, know, right. Go do his thing. Right. So for all I know, he could have. He may have signed an extension to like be part of season three or something. But until until the season three finishes airing, he can't do anything. So mm-hmm. for all we know, he could have had a talk with someone and be like, okay, you just lay low for a free ride. Remember when Ambrose? was sort of like in that weird yep. situation where he wasn't on FCW, he wasn't on NXT, yeah, he, was he wasn't on WWE, he was just nowhere for like a year, and yep. then finally he debuted. So that could be the situation with King Cuerno. But I would say, I definitely expect to see him, like if they do a CWC mm-hmm. uh, season two, and from what I understand, that is the plan, yeah. uh, he'll, he'll definitely um, he'll, he'll be there. He'll be a nice asset to have. Uh, for uh, their cruiserweight division, but that's pretty much the news for for Lucha. But okay. outside of that, to answer your original question, just recovering from this crazy week of wrestling news because you know yesterday you had the Lucha news, the TNA news, the, the New Japan news, the uh, WWE news, the Ring of Honor news. Just well, uh, yeah. Let's let, let's let's delve into each one. Um, all right. So we did Lucha. I guess, let's go TNA because I was I was really disappointed with Impact last night. I haven't um, seen all of it yet. I only saw like the first ten minutes. You, you know what? You probably saw the best part of the show. Okay. You know. Um, I heard that uh, uh, Moose Bennett's match was good, but I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, but they the only thing they did that was like different, but not different in a good way, was. They actually acknowledged that there's a one night only pay per view tonight, and it was like, That's it was like, yeah, it was like, but you guys never talk about these things, mm. you know. So now with 24 hours notice, I'm supposed to go out and order this pay per view. Yeah, that is kind of bad. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I won't get into the end. I, I won't. All right, then we'll skip TNA um, as far as Impact goes. But I, I um, you know, Jared's back. Uh, for anybody hoping to see Jared on camera, I've seen multiple places say that's not going to be the case, that actually a con- part of the agreement of him coming back is that he is not, is that he will not appear on camera. Um, I guess maybe it's because of, I guess he's still holding out hope for GFW um, doing something, and they feel it would be like a conflict of interest, although... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much life is left on it. Dixie is completely out. Um, we interviewed as, him once, and he kind of annoyed us. So, Jarrett? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember you told me that story. Um, he seems like a nice person, but it was like when we were when we were talking to him about like JFW. We just, you know, you know me, like I'm. I'm mm-hmm. 
I'm 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 just I'm a realist. I'm not an optimist. So mm-hmm. the question that I asked him, I was like, "Oh, so what's the TV deal looking like?" And when we asked him about the TV deal, he just kept dancing around it, giving politically safe answers. And mm-hmm. I and I remember I told him I was like, "Mr. Jared, with all due respect, I'm a fan of your work, but like in today's wrestling world, like without some type of TV deal, like your shit's not going to take off. If you're not going to be on TV, then be a streaming service, like be on Hulu, Netflix, mm-hmm. something." And you know, he, he doesn't have I one. Think. Here's what I think. I give it six months. Anthem's going to absorb GFW. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh, you think what? I, I, that's what's going to happen. They're going to absorb GFW in, and all those guys will just go to will just go to TNA. That's fine. So, but it's not though. I'll tell you why it's not. You get a guy like Magnus who left TNA, okay, to get away from there. Maybe it was Dixie, and maybe new ownership. Maybe it's a different mind. But some of those guys left TNA because they were just done with that place. It's and it's like the guys. In WCW and ECW, when WWE bought them, oh fuck, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's going to be interesting to see. You'll find out, I think, what was Dixie, and what was the company just as a whole. If if Anthem has to absorb GFW. True. You know, I I, I could see that. Um, you know, I, I've heard a couple guys wanted out of their GFW deals and Jarrett refused. Somehow the Bollywood boys escaped. And I hate to use that term, but it, it seems to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, forget who was it? I think, I think it was, I, I don't want to say it was Magnus, because I think that's too big of a name, but it might have been. Somebody asked him to go. And he told them no. And when they asked why, they got like like you, like with you, they got like a political answer. Right. You know, there was no like, hang loose. I got a TV deal brewing, or I got you know this go. It was just no. I I, I can't let you go. You know, I think it was Mag. And for some reason, Cody is their next gen champion. You would think if you want to buzz, you would have him fight Magnus for your actual title. But yeah. Whatever. Yeah, so. and so much for Cody bringing that belt out with him to every show he was going to go to, like he said he did was when he won. He did not mm-hmm. bring that belt out against Lethal, and he, and from what I saw, he did not bring that belt out at, at Wrestle Kingdom. No, he didn't. No. And and that's what he said. Go back to that video. He mm-hmm. said every single match he's doing will be a next gen championship match. I mean that would be really good exposure for the brand, yeah. but he didn't. He said, yeah, but go watch that video when he won the title. That he said that. Mm-hmm. He said that that that's what he was gonna do. That all his his all his bookings were going to be next gen championship matches. Whatever he had booked and lined up was gonna be a match for that title. Mm-hmm. And you would think the two biggest shows he's gonna appear on, he doesn't have that belt anywhere near him. Mm-hmm. You know that's you know what oh, do you, what, what are you doing what are you doing with that you know. Uh, so, uh, what else did you talk about before I called in? Uh, I was talking about the Ziggler heel turn. Okay. That's all. Just, you know, see where it goes, you know, see what he does. It looks like he's going to start with, like, just a line of 
you know, face guys like. All I really got to say about the Ziggler heel turn is uh, it's good for everyone involved. It's good for his career. It's good for the fans. It's good for SmackDown. That being said, um, my gut tells me that there's there's something uh, bigger planned for him. Yeah. The reason that the reason I say that is because him turning heel is good. The problem is, is that SmackDown already is doing good on the heel side. You already got AJ, who technically is a heel, even though he's and, not really treated like still, one. I still think he's going face, though. I I think I think he's going to walk into WrestleMania face. I do. Mm. I do. With, whether it's with the title or not, I don't know. But I, I think unless they're going to do something like Styles Joe or Styles Nakamura, which I doubt they will, and we'll get into the reason why soon, I, I think he's going to walk into WrestleMania as a face. I do. I don't, I don't think so. I think they're going to do something to justify it because on SmackDown, you already have a good amount of heels that are doing just fine. You got oh, Corbin, I, see, you I got agree. Mays. I think there's something bigger in the works for Ziggler. I think this yeah. is just the first part of something much larger. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. I mean, but I just, Super Kid Kalisto in headbutt at Corbin, two faces. So it looks like yeah. a deal to me. By the oh, way, yeah. shout, shout outs to him just headbutting uh, Apollo. I thought that yeah. was really funny. Like, just a straight up headbutt. I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> Smile at me again. Go ahead. <laughs> that you was know. funny. Yeah. No, I, 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 you know, I agree with you that this is probably just the first part of something mm. multi-layered. But I mean, if you if you go back, you know, when you when you go back, like when 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 fans talk about Ziggler, like when was Ziggler the most successful? When he found something that worked, and he was the most successful, it was during. 2012 to 2013, when he was a heel, when he had the bodyguard and the female valet. You know, Ziggler has always kind of been like, um, there's certain people, uh, not that many, like um, like Christian, uh, EC3, um, who else is there? Let's see, Christian, EC3, I guess even Mike Bennett to an extent. There's like certain people where it's like they excel when they're a heel, they have like a bodyguard or like a valet or something like that's what it was working for him. And then it's like by themselves, like just by themselves. Cause not everyone can be a star on their own. You know, they need help, you know, like a valet or a hmm. bodyguard and like, and that's okay. That's not me throwing shade. That's just, no, but it's, that's just how some it guys is. Need that. Yeah. Right. That's, that's when Ziggler was the most successful. So uh, I remember like last year, like Kevin Nash was jokingly saying, let him be the bodyguard, and, and fans yeah. are like saying, you know, and at the, on, even though that sounds silly, I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. not against it. Why not? No, that's that's not terrible at all. Mm-hmm. You know. So that sounds fine for me. They need to find a big dude for him. Obviously not Corbin, since you know they they want Corbin to do his own thing. But I'm sure there's someone they could get on NXT or, yeah. or somewhere. You know, he just he needs that. That's what Ziggler needs. But he 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 has something. He established something that worked. Because I remember like in 2012. 2013, uh, he was one of the best heels they had. And then just gradually over a period of time, uh, his stature sort of regressed. Really, he, The like problem we, with Ziggler in 2013, and I remember talking to Jay and, and TLD and even Seth, and pro- probably you went on it too because I know we were all on those shows together at the same time. Hmm. The problem with Ziggler was Ziggler never knew when the fuck to keep his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand that, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't always say what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember he went into that SummerSlam 
he went into some SummerSlam event and and went to town on the company, and it was like, whoa! And you wonder why you're you're in the spot you're in. <laughs> like, dude, stop! Yeah, Sasha needs to tone down on that as well. So. Did you see what she tweeted last night? Yeah, that's that's she's 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 tweeted stuff like that before too. So I I remember when she's when did she first tweet that? She tweeted that like I think it was. Lot, see, it was 2017 now. I've got to get used to it. That's yeah. not the first time she's tweeted stuff like that. She's tweeted stuff like that before. you got to be careful when you stuff like that. Like when you're when you're booked um, strongly and when you're the Raw Women's Champion or whatever, then you go on Twitter and you just say, I miss NXT. And that just makes them be like, okay, you obviously don't appreciate the spot that you're in. Yeah. So, you know, that that's, she needs to tone down on that. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with her in the sense that obviously there is an element of a character that worked in NXT and there's something missing on the main roster. So if she feels, you know, frustrated, like that's fine, but you just can't go on social media saying you miss NXT. Yeah, because... you, know, you know what, you know what though, as far as that goes, and I really believe because she's part of their, she's part of that Triple H crew. She could turn around and probably go, maybe not to Vince per se, but if she could somehow go to Hunter and pretty much say, I want to go heel. You know, look at, you know, remember what I did two years ago when I was making Bailey cry and, you know, I was slapping the shit out of, you know, mm-hmm. Emma when she was a face. I want to go back to being that. I'm almost certain Hunter would turn around to creative and tell them, let's get Sasha, let's get Sasha turned. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, she has, the four of them do, they have something that not a lot of other talents have. I they just pro- think that she should just in general... Just be quiet on social yeah, media. Yeah, she's got a chill. I, I remember when they did the whole draft thing, and they were like, where do you want to go? I'm like, oh, I want to go on SmackDown, wants, yeah. SmackDown, SmackDown, SmackDown. Yeah. Where did she go? Raw. Raw. So it's like, just just, just not to be mean or anything, but like she should just, don't no, say shit on that happened. That's what happened to a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys, I heard that, that a lot of guys who said they wanted to go here, wanted to go there, ended up going to the opposite show. Mm-hmm. Because they just, you know, keep... Keep your mouth shut. Mm. You know. I remember that's what Edge said. Um. Uh, I think I think it was on Jericho's podcast when the when the idea of the first uh, Money in the Bank was discussed. Uh, who was in the match? Uh, Edge, Christian. Edge, Christian, uh, Kane, Benoit, Jericho, Kane, Benoit, Shel- and right, Sheldon right. Benjamin. Right, and Edge said on the podcast that when they were doing ideas for the Money in the Bank, uh, he said that everybody was contributing something except him where like Shelton was like, I want to do this. And Christian was like, I want to do this. And Jericho was like, I want to do this. And uh, Jericho said that the only person that wasn't really contributing creatively was edge. He was just kind of there. And um, uh, Jericho said that they kept creating so many different ideas that it kind of annoyed the booking team. So Jericho said, and coincidentally the person that won the match was Edge, the one guy who mm-hmm. who didn't say anything according yeah. to what Jericho said. Yeah. And then and then I remember Edge said in the interview that he felt that the only reason he won 
was because Creative was like, oh, well, Edge, he's not saying anything. Let's just book him to win. You know? <laughs> it he also was, made sense storyline-wise <laughs> for him to win. But, yeah, I, I could see really? that. If they were ever on the fence about it, I, I could see that being a reason. Because sometimes, see, that stuff's a catch-22. Because you got these guys that, you know, that are paid to lay out matches. And, you know, if if you come to them with an idea, then it's like you're kind of stooging them. But then mm-hmm. if you don't go to them with ideas, you get labeled as uninterested in going through the motion. Unmotivated, right. Right, right. right. Like, so, you know, like did you gotta, anyone you gotta, really, really complain when Randy Savage, according to Ricky Steamboat, would have like 97 moves in order on a piece of paper and he would list them all out to Steamboat before one of their matches? I yeah. highly doubt anybody went to Savage and said... You're doing too much. <laughs> well, that's why his matches were so good. Yeah. 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 yeah See, Steamboat says, like, they were talking about a match, and I think Steamboat said they were, like, three minutes into the match, and Savage was already up to move 97, arm bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, but everyone has said that. Everyone has said that about Savage, that Savage was so – even Hogan said it, that Savage was just so meticulous like that, like – Mm-hmm. And so precise with everything. Well, that's what made him so good, though. I would have, and I don't say this in a disrespectful way. God damn it, I would have hated to have been Randy Savage's kid. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're getting up to go to school, and you just don't know. Like, do I want to wear this T-shirt or do I want to wear this sweatshirt? And in comes Randy Savage. No, today you're gonna wear shirt number fourteen, the, the <laughs> brown one. Well, no, Dad, I want to wear my Star Wars shirt. No, throws up the whole thing, you know. You can tell you can tell Randy Savage is one of those folks where it's like you can go home and like an object was wasn't where it was like yep. five hours ago and he would yep. notice and he'd be yep. like, "Ooh, you wasn't here." Yep. Yeah. Hey, who moved the who moved the fish food? Well, I did because I had to feed the fish while you were gone. Yeah, but it goes over there. He would have been a he would have been a great detective. Maybe he was in a more wrong line of work, but he still found something good. Yeah. Um, I got my um, I got like a. Like uh, like two pages worth of uh, Wrestle Kingdom notes. So just let me know if you want me to go over that. Oh, I don't have that in me. I watched that match the other night at three o'clock in the morning, and I'm still like, I don't know how I've lived for forty years without that match. Oh, well, I meant like notes on the whole show. That's yeah. I, no, I know, I know, and you know, I I don't know. I I think the I think the show everything from it's been been done. Um, I actually am more interested. In the video you sent me, mm-hmm. the aftermath video, mm-hmm. with, I mean, it, I don't know if it's going to get to play out, but, I mean, you could definitely tell the dissension with Adam Cole and, and everybody in that group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very uh, weird. It's very weird. They don't. They they rarely um, they rarely are all of them are there, and whenever they are there. It's weird. It's like as strange as it sounds. Like when it's Cole and the Bucks, it's fine. When it's Omega and the Bucks, it's fine. But it's yeah. like when all four of them are there. It's just kind of like, eh. It's like a cancel out. It's sort of weird. Um, I don't really know what that's about. And now Cody's there too, which is just kind of like, okay, right? I, I don't know. I mean, is Cody basically going to become the default leader of the Bullet Club now? <laughs> I don't know. His his position um, is is unclear of, of what he's going to be doing. But I mean, let let's let's get into it. Omega today pretty much tweeted that he's stepping away 
to reassess everything, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. it's contract negotiation time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I, – I think if Omega was going to stay, he would have signed Tuesday night. I, I don't um, think I, – I think he's gone. So I what, I'll, what I'll do right now is I'll just um, go through some bits and pieces on the uh, Omega thing. And also just go through some bits and pieces on the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, uh, Wrestle Kingdom was a was a good show. Uh, Eleven matches in total. Uh, I'll go through most of this stuff very quickly. Um, the, they had their New Japan Rumble, which is essentially a, a comedy uh, battle royal. They do it every year. Uh, Elgin came back. Uh, Elgin had a, I believe he had a bone fracture uh, injury, and so Elgin, he came Elgin back. looks Elgin and. It's a rough injury to rehab from, but Elgin's mm-hmm. got to get himself in a little bit of shape. El- Elgin looked a little rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw some. I didn't see the battle, the, the rumble, but I saw some pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hey, listen, you know, you you go do a couple weeks in the gym, you you diet a little more, and you know the, the those, you know that's a distant memory. But he he looked. You could tell he you could tell he's been out of it for a little while because he he's a big guy, but he looked mm-hmm. big. Well, what I'll do is uh, what I'll do is. Um, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll squash uh, two birds of one stone. I'll go over some of the matches, and then I will uh, link it up to the New Year's Dash show that happened the next night. Uh, okay. the, 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 the Rumble was um, had a lot of faces. Uh, Elgin was there. Uh, Billy Gunn was there. Cheeseburger was there. Uh, Jushin Thunalaga was there. Nagata was there. Uh, the big pop was uh, Scott Norton. Scott Norton, like, is immortal. He hasn't aged at all. So it was great seeing uh, Scott Norton again. Scott Norton, uh, the man who I think I can count on my hands how many times he lost in WCW. <laughs> Scott Norton was uh, was great. Uh, so um, Elgin won the Battle Royale there. Um, the first match was uh, Tiger Mask W against Tiger the Dark, which was basically this match was done to promote an anime, which was kind of cool. So, uh, anyway, Tiger Mask W was Kota Ibushi, and Tiger the Dark was ACH. And uh, you could see that, that uh, ACH wanted so bad to break kayfabe. So, it, but yeah, oh, that, it was Ibushi? Yeah, that was Ibushi. You, 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 could, you, could, you, could, you could tell. Okay. You could tell it was them. Yeah, so Tiger, Tiger Mask W is Ibushi, and Tiger the Dark is ACH. Uh, speaking of ACH, uh, ACH is working full-time for Evolve. Now, aka, so he'll be in NXT by the summer, right? So, uh, <laughs> and Coda will just continue working everywhere because he's he's weird like that. Yeah. Um, the next match was a uh, Rapongi Vice against the Young Bucks. Uh, usually, for the past few years, Russell Kingdom has had like uh, fatal four ways for their for their IWGP Junior Tag Team titles, but this year they just had a straight up one on one match. Uh, this match was good, and and a long story short, uh, the Bucks have a. Uh, their own custom-made super kick party titles now. So they came out with, like, four sets oh, of titles. Yeah, like nine belts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I believe those super kick titles, they, you can purchase them, like, on the website or something. But um, the Rapongi Vice, they, uh, they beat the Young Bucks, and so they're the new tag team champions. Which I'm surprised. I, I thought with them re-signing, I thought for sure they would have let the Bucks mm-hmm. uh, retain. You know, I, I, I thought for but sure that... But of all the titles they have, that those are the ones they didn't really need. Yeah, I guess you could make a case maybe this year for the Bucks for the I, for the IWGP tag belts. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so uh, the next match that happened after that was uh, uh, was uh, Cody making his debut against Juice Robinson. Um, from what I understand, uh, there was some concern with Cody over whether or not the fans would know who he was because of uh, Cody Hall from the Bullet Club, uh, Scott Hall's mm-hmm. son. And uh, I believe uh, Cody Hall is going through some injuries right now. So he's just yeah, he's been a little beat off, off, yeah. Right, and because of the whole legal obligation, um, you know, they have to call him Cody and not Cody Rhodes. So um, at, at the very last minute, they started advertising the return, uh, the debut of the American Nightmare Cody. Nightmare, so, yep. so that's why they keep using the American Nightmare Cody. To anyone that's wondering, like, why is this American Nightmare name all of a sudden being used? They're, they're using that because since he can't use Cody Rhodes, by saying the American Nightmare, Cody, it makes them stand out more. Mm-hmm. So uh, Cody had his match against Juice Robinson, and um, it was a good match. Uh, at first, the fans didn't necessarily react to Cody that much, but as the match went on, uh, they warmed up to him. Uh, Cody was working as a heel. Uh, this is his first real exposure in Japan. The, the only negative I can say is that he kept playing to the crowd a little too much, whereas in Japan, they don't really react to you that. You don't have they just, to, yeah. Yeah, you don't really have to react to that. But that, over time, I think Cody will understand. That. That, that's probably just, that's probably just a, a habit thing that, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that uh, it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot I don't have to do that here. <laughs> uh, hold on for a second. We'll just wait for Tof to get back to keep going over the Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yep, okay. Cool. Um, so, uh, Cody, uh, so he went over Juice Robinson. Uh, it, it was a good match. Uh, Juice Robinson. Yeah, big ups to C.J. Parker for really, really improving and stepping up his game since leaving NXT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, since I said I was going to, um, um, uh, this actually, the Juice Robinson actually ties in to the next match, and uh, it, it ties into, um, wait, who did, he, who did he pin? I'm trying to remember. He, he pinned someone important. I'm trying to figure out who was it that he pinned. Uh, and so much wrestling this week. My, he pinned someone important at New Year's Dash. I, I can't recall who he pinned. Was it, no, that wasn't, no, the, the other guy pinned Cole. Damn it, who did he, he pinned someone important. I can't uh, think of who. Oh, wait, I think I know who it was. I think he pinned, uh, Goto? Did he pin Goto? Did he? I think, I think he, so. Yeah, I think he pinned Goto. Yeah, there were there were two upset victories at uh, New Year's Dash last night. I think he pinned Goto. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, yeah, he's really improved. Um, the next match was uh, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly, uh, and of course, you know, this was this is one of the big matches of the show uh, where fans were. Uh, no, not not New Japan fans, more so American fans were kind of like, okay, now that one of them has resigned. And uh, we found out after the show that, you know, Ring of Honor had offered Kyle a deal um, two days before showtime, and uh, Kyle turned it down. So, obviously, they had no choice but to put the belt on Kyle, on Adam Cole. And During the match, uh, okay. Steve Carino was on commentary. Oh, yeah, Kevin Kelly and Carino were on commentary. And uh, uh, Carino said that uh, Adam Cole had approached him and said that he was in, he was – considering renegotiating his contract. Uh, and, um, you know, and uh, I don't really see a reason why Carino would be trolling because, truthfully, he's on his way out. He's gone now. So that was pretty much Carino's last 
broadcast at, in a Ring of Honor in New Japan, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so there's really no reason for him to lie or troll. But he did say that during the match that Adam Cole approached him and said that he was reconsidering his contract status. And I believe I read somewhere that uh, regardless of what Cole does, uh, he won't even be he, – he's legally not obliged to do anything until, like, May. Um, so my guess is he probably signed some type of extension to May. Uh, when he won – when he, he might have, that might, No, that might be when he was up. Because mm-hmm. I remember when he re-signed in 2013, that tryout was right after – I'm just trying to time it. That tryout was after WrestleMania mm-hmm. that year. So that had to be at least April. And then he signed a three-year, and then he signed the one-year. So May might be the actual date. Yeah. You know. yeah May May might be the actual date there. And um, so uh, he, he beat he beat Kyle O'Reilly. The match was good. They, they've had better matches in, in, in uh, Ring of Which, Honor, but the match was okay. Not to cut you off, but anybody in Ring of Honor who's, who's trying to spin this by saying, no, 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 the plan was always for Cole – to beat O'Reilly in Japan is a liar because the one thing Ring of Honor does not do, except for when they did it with their TV title a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, they do not hot shot titles, especially the world heavyweight title. So mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to hear from anybody in Ring of Honor. Oh no no no, that was always the plan. No, nah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. wasn't. Don't you know? Listen, you, you know, it's that one rare time where you got caught where you where your pants down. Just just take it at this point. Mm-hmm. You know. So since so uh, since Cole beat uh, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, this makes him the first three-time uh, Ring of Honor World Champion. So uh, you know, seemingly that's that's sort of the end. Um, there was definitely uh, some confusion from fans, and uh, we knew going into the match it was pretty much like, okay, the loser of this match is probably leaving, and um, so Kyle lost. Uh, so uh, as far as we know, uh, you know, Cole. His his stuff is up in in, in May, so and we'll, during... we'll put it. We'll use this to segue too, and then we'll get back to the show. The general belief is, and Ring of Honor is usually not wrong with this, with their talents, that Cole and Riley are headed to WWE in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor does not do this, you know, does not assume that they are losing a talent, and then oh, I guess you know, so and so changed their mind. We we're we're keeping them. When Ring of Honor kind of knows that. Okay, this guy is gonna leave. That guy's gonna leave. They are more often than not, and even that's probably not giving it enough credit. They are usually right on the money with their assessment of what their talents are going to do. Mm-hmm. So my my prediction probably would be is, uh, he'll hold on to the belt for a few months, and then uh, I'm guessing he'll probably drop it back to lethal. What's the show in March? What's the big uh, show in March? Is that the Super Card of Honor? No, it's, or is it's that. that... That's, that's like not all star. It's, 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 it's like that anniversary show they do. They always do it in Las Vegas. No, uh, I, I'm, I I'm talking about they do one in March. I'm not talking about the Vegas one over the summer. Oh, well, the one in March is Supercard of Honor. Yeah. That's probably it. That will probably yeah. be it. Yeah. So my prediction is he'll probably uh, drop it to Lethal since he resigned. There's yeah. got to be a reason why he resigned. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So Cole beat O'Reilly. Um, there's some other matches that happened here. Um, notable moments was uh, the triple threat tag match with uh, the Gorillas of Destiny, a.k.a. the Sons of Ming. That match was hilarious, a lot of profanity, a lot of cursing, uh, so much cursing that Carino had to mute himself on commentary. Uh, so that was kind of funny. 
uh, Kushida, he lost to Takahashi as expected. Uh, the Takahashi dude, he's he's totally reinvented himself. He's changed himself so much. He was almost unrecognizable. He's he's kind of got a Jericho thing where when they were debuting him, they kept showing vignettes of a time bomb, saying the time bomb was going to explode. And when it exploded, he returned. He dyed his hair red. Uh, his entrance, where it's like it shows a time bomb, and then he kind of jumps on the stage, kind of like how Rey Mysterio used to do when he came to WWE. Okay. Um, his style is very flamboyant. He licks the ring post and just a lot of stuff that creeps you out. And uh, had a really good match with Kushida for the Cruiserweight Championship, and uh, he beat Kushida. And uh, the very next night, uh, they had Dragon Lee, who works Mexico and then works Ring of Honor. Uh, they had him come back and attack uh, Takahashi, which kind of makes you wonder what's the future for Kushida. And as I said before, uh, Kushida said that his goal in 2017 was to become the Ring of Honor champion. So that's maybe very they, Maybe there's your guy right there. Maybe. You know, maybe. we're talking about who's going to be Cole. Maybe, maybe there's your guy. Maybe mm-hmm. Kushida Cole is your, mm-hmm. is your uh, match I, I, leader in the winter or spring. Kushida's a good talent. He's just he's done as much as he can do uh, for mm-hmm. the junior weight division. So it's very clear that Kushida he's ready to move on yeah, to yeah. another, another you know, division. You know, you you do your thing, and it's like, all right, what's next? Mm-hmm. Uh, this leads us to the uh, the top three matches on the card, which I know a lot more about now since I was able to do research. Uh, doing going in uh, the net, this match was uh, Godo against uh, Shibata for the Never Openweight Championship. Uh, in a nutshell. Um, this match had a lot of story behind it. What's going on here is uh, New Japan as a company, they weren't doing well in the early 2000s when they were in the process of uh, doing their you know, their re-infrastructure. They chose three dudes who they thought were going to be the future of the company, just like WWE did. You know, WWE, they chose Cena, Orton, Batista. WWE, they knew that their future was one of those three guys. They didn't know mm-hmm. which one it was, but in the end it became Cena. So what New Japan did was the three guys that they chose was they chose Tanahashi, Nakamura, and Shibata. And what happened was since the company wasn't doing that well, Shibata was pretty much like, okay, I'm going to pursue interest elsewhere. He uh, tried to do an MMA career, uh, didn't really go out that well. And so you know he comes back to New Japan years later. And, of course, by the time he comes back, Nakamura is basically a god. He's gone now. He's in NXT, but you know people view him as a god. And then there's Tanahashi, who's been the ace of Japan. So Shibata's kind of like bitter, sort of. So he sort of has like this bitterness to him. Then there's Goto. Uh, Goto is pretty much the Dolph Ziggler of New Japan. Uh, very talented, uh, very stiff, works a lot of good matches. But when it comes to winning a big match, he never, ever, he can't win the big one. He's challenged the IWGP Championship on several occasions. He challenged it when AJ was champion. He challenged it when... Naito was champion. He challenged it when Okada was still champion, and he's lost every time. So he lacks the big one. So basically this match is about, like, two bitter people who are both bitter and upset over their position. And so it's like they're, they're basically just going to fight each other to, to get to exercise their demons. Mm-hmm. It's basically a match to see who's going to get the first big win. So it was a very stiff, strong match. And uh, in the end, uh, Goto beat Shibata. Shibata had another title with him. He had, like, the British... I'm not familiar with the promotion. He had the British title with him from a different promotion. And, uh, that WCPW? Little... Yeah, something like that. Or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Will Ospreay dude, uh, he actually confronted uh, Shibata at New Year's Dash and basically said that you have something that belongs to me. So um, uh, to me, the way I look at it is they're going to take the belts off of him 
so that way they can elevate Shibata and I think it's time for him to, to move on to a higher uh, division. So maybe he can perhaps be in contention for uh, the Intercontinental or World title down the road. So, uh, you know, so there's, there, there's that. Then this brings us to the last two matches. Uh, the last two matches were, were pretty much uh, as, as really great. Uh, very similar to Survivor Series 1996, you know, where you had the four post, the four guys in the poster. You know, you had Sean, uh, you had Brett, you had Austin, you had Sid. That's kind of like what this was. The four guys: Okada, Tanahashi, uh, Omega, uh, Okada. Uh, the one thing that I'll give Russell Kingdom credit for is uh, they they need to start doing stuff like this more because it really helps the fans. For the last two matches, what they did so far up to this point, every match they've had. Uh, if there was a promo vignette or, or segment or something, they would just show it in their native tongue of Japan. But for the last two matches, what they did was they actually had subtitles at the bottom of the screen for, for you know, for the American fans that don't that obviously can't understand Japanese. So the story for Naito Tanahashi was actually pretty interesting, and it was it was pretty much the closest thing to a John Cena versus a Bray Wyatt. So let me explain what Naito's character is. Because uh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm a huge Naito fan. If anyone's ever seen one of those Justice League animated movies, there was one Justice League animated movie where like uh, they went in like this alternate timeline where they were like bad guys or whatever. And uh, there's this one character named Owlman who was voiced by uh, oh, crap, what's his name? Um, James Woods. He was voiced by James Woods. And uh, Owlman basically is this dude that lost hope and he he lost faith in humanity and he felt that like the human race as a whole was like evil and in a, in a nutshell he was trying to develop some plan to like destroy Earth Prime so it would destroy like every Earth or whatever. That's kind of like Naito's character. Naito's character is sort of like uh, he's kind of like the Joker a little bit. Like his character is like why do anything in life? It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know whatever. So his character doesn't care. He's kind of like this weird sort of he, he's not he's not heel he's not face but like you can't reach him he's he's yeah he's, yeah yeah, he, yeah he's sort of like the joker in the dark night he's literally like he's, the epitome of, he's literally the guy that if you had a face and a heel in front of him he'll hit the face and you'll be like oh yeah that's just nice he'll be in a heel whatever and then next thing you know he'll like kick the teeth out of the mouth of the heel and it's like Okay, wait. What the fuck is Naito doing? Like, right, right. He just—he's—he's he's, he's definitely the, somewhere in the, the middle. Added, then there's the added extra part of it is like, wait, was this what Naito was supposed to do when he was out here? <laughs> right, right. Or was Naito so, just going into business for himself? <laughs> right. So what he said in the interview was he said that uh, in, in the uh, in the promo and the subtitles leading up to it that um when he was a face he saw Tanahashi as a star. And he saw himself as a rising star, but a dim star. And so Naito said that he knew in order for him to become the highest star possible, that he had to extinguish Tanahashi's light. But before he could, Okada beat him to it. So kind of like how for years, Steen kept saying how he wanted to fight Taker at WrestleMania, but before he could, Lesnar fought Taker first. So Naito said that before he could beat Tanahashi, you know, Okada beat him, and, and Naito said that was really the only reason he wrestled yeah, at New Japan. He in that 2011 title run at the expense of Jeff Hardy. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, in the promo, Naito said that once Okada beat Tanahashi, that was when he really started to like not care, because that was really the one thing he wanted. He said he lived for it. He lived to, um, to, to defeat Tanahashi, and so when, mm-hmm. when Tanahashi lost, 
he started to not care because it was kind of like, what's the point? What's the point? Like, there's, right. there's no point. He says he doesn't know if, if he ascended too fast, too too slowly, or if he fell too quickly. He doesn't know. Right. So he said that he wasn't interested. He wasn't excited to have a match with uh, Tanahashi. Like, and this is legit shoots. That's how he feels. He said he didn't really care. Yeah. So then Tanahashi. Right, so then Tanahashi, he comes back on him, and he says, well, you know, it's true that I, I did lose at Wrestle Kingdom. Okada did beat me, he says, but I know that something bothers you deep down. And, and, and the thing about it, to those that don't that don't follow New Japan, Naito actually has a pretty bad win record at Wrestle Kingdom. He, he's lost at every Wrestle Kingdom he's been in. And Tanahashi says, I know that it bothers you deep down. You claim to act like you don't care. But despite the fact that you're one of the biggest stars here at New Japan, you've never won a match at Wrestle Kingdom. So if I beat you here at Wrestle Kingdom, you'll forever be known as the guy that can't win the big one, which which pissed off Naito. So for the very first time since Naito's turn, uh, yeah, so for the first time, like, Naito literally cares. Naito is the only guy, you can't really talk about his stuff as purely a storyline because there's probably a good chance that Naito legitimately believes everything he's telling you. He's almost like 99 Taker, where everyone said, like, he would literally just constantly walk around in character and think he was like the Prince of Darkness. And if you tried to tell him otherwise, he would have, like, the, the, what you call it, what what the fuck was that? The BDC, whatever the fuck they were called, pretty much murder you. And that's what Naito is. The only difference is Naito does not have a crew of guys that will come murder you. Naito will come murder you himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. That is basically Naito in a nutshell. Right, so the storytelling here was was uh, was really good. And uh, they had a good match there. Uh, but in the end, uh, Naito beat Tanahashi. So, um, you know, uh, the very next night on New Year's Dash, um, uh, Elgin, uh, uh, Elgin took out uh, Naito. So it looks like they'll be... Uh, uh, he'll be feuding against Elgin in the future for the Intercontinental Championship, so that's cool. Uh, where Tanahashi goes from here, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, and of I don't course, know if it matters. Yeah, it probably with, does. With Tanahashi, like I, I think Tanahashi's at that point. Like we, you know, like we've talked about it in the past with Tanahashi almost being like the New Japan Cena. I don't, I don't know if it really. You could probably slip Tanahashi into anything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it will. For the most part, it will it will work. You know what I would do? You want to really if if Cody's really dead set on working a lot more New Japan, and if Cody, like I said, quite possibly by default, is going to become the new leader of the Bullet Club, why not do Kony Tanahashi? Yeah, I'm sure that would be something uh, you know, in for, the future for, for the crowd uh, for the crowd out there. That will work. Yeah, he definitely needs the exposure. He needs the if they're serious about pushing Cody, he needs to work saying, with like, their big guys. Yeah. Very soon. Yeah. So, why um, not? Mm. Why not go that route? So uh, after the uh, the Naito uh, uh, Tanahashi thing, uh, uh, Kevin Kelly and Carino uh, they go over some of the big events for 2017 and the big news that happened, which changed the game. The New J- I'll give New Japan credit; they they know exactly what they were doing. They could have showed this at any time. Uh, they showed, they confirmed that in 2017, uh, the G1 Climax, not the entire tournament, but some of it is going to be filmed here in America. I think in California. Big, in California, which is a big deal. Uh, JR did say at the end of 2016 on his website that New Japan had some big plans uh, in 2017, but he said he wasn't at liberty 
to reveal it, you know, for, I guess he just didn't want to get in trouble or whatever. But uh, he said New Japan had huge, huge plans on going mainstream. That was JR's exact words, mainstream, because And so I, w- far, I wouldn't be surprised if Ross isn't part of it. You, you want to relate to the American, you know, to the American fan. If you're mm-hmm. going to broadcast some shows here in America, why not have Ross do the commentary on it? He would be the best guy to do it. So, uh, so they they they, just, they showed that, um, you know. So that's big news. We don't know details on it right now. Like, is it going to be televised? Is it going to be on a network? Is it going to be like a joint show of Ring of Honor? We don't know. But uh, that's a big deal. You want to um, win? This, I'm going to tell you something. You want to win the American audience over, and I don't have access, and it's a shame that I don't mm-hmm. put it on access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on access. Don't don't make people pay for it. You know, right off the bat, since this is going to be a unique thing, put, what you call it, put this on Access TV. And I'm not talking like a year after you tape it. Put it on, get it taped, Mm -hmm. and at most like a two-week delay. Right. Right. I I agree with you there. So uh, that, that was big news there. And then this transition into the main event. And again, just like with Naito and Tanahashi, uh, the promo was they had the little subtitles in English and stuff, and uh, you know they basically build it as New Japan's future versus um, uh, the changing of the guard sort of. Um, Kenny Omega made good points in this promo, where Kenny Omega said that he was here to take uh, New Japan global, and Omega said you can't do that with time, with, uh, with Okada, which is true because what makes Omega different? Because a lot of fans are wondering, like to all the fans out there. Like, what makes Omega different from all these other folks? Like, what makes him different from AJ? What makes him different from Balor? What makes him different from, like, Nakamura? What, what, make, what makes Omega different is he can speak Japanese fluently mm-hmm. and speak English. So he mm-hmm. can relate to both. That's a game changer. Um, so he's not wrong. He's not, he's not wrong there at all. And that's what made this so, so difficult, I can imagine, for New Japan. Because they're probably like, fuck, who's going to go over and and we've talked about this match, you know, several times before the match happened. Like, this match is literally the closest thing to if Brett and Sean fought each other at Mania 13 at that point. Like, who goes over? Vince would have been like, he would have had a heart attack. I could imagine mm-hmm. them arguing in Vince's house for, like, a day straight on just who's well, going to go it, over. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that so much. But, yeah, because, it, it, I mean, Brett would have been the guy to go over. It would have been getting Sean to do it. but To, to agree with it. This, right. this is, you know what this is, you're right with the guys, this is Survivor Series 97, had Brett not left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, Okada's pretty much like, you know, he's got the whole weight of New Japan on his shoulders, he's the, he's the guy now and stuff like that. Uh, and the build-up to this, uh, Omega has been, um, he's been very outspoken. Um, he's, 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 he's basically said three things. The first thing he said was that WWE is becoming a monopoly where they're just hiring people just to hire folks. That's the first thing he said. The second thing he said was the IWGP title as the most prestigious belt in the world and that he would choose that belt over any other belt from any other company. And the third thing he said is that his end game, his goal is to basically be a legend that never stepped foot in a WWE ring. He was okay and, with being and, that and, guy, yeah. And and to be like the most successful uh, gaijin that uh, has ever competed. 
from I from what I can tell, like I'm still relatively new to New Japan. I've only been watching for about a year, but from what I understand, he's the only foreigner to ever win the G1 Climax, and that's kind of what made this. That's what made the build. So, so all the fans that are wondering, like it wasn't just the match itself that was that good. It was the build to it. Like they did all that with Omega. He was the IWGP. Like in one year, in one year, I'm just trying to, in one year. He was the IWGP Junior Champion, the Intercontinental Champion, and he won G1 Climax. Mm-hmm. No Gaijin has ever done that. He did all of that in one year. That's basically like a Kurt Angle year in New Japan. That's what he did. Yeah. All, he did all of that in one year. So it's like they're not going to do all that with Omega only for him to lose, are they? And at the same time, it's like, but you can't just have Okada lose either because you're trying to make him the face. So the thing with Omega is, Everything he says is real and genuine. Like everything he says is not a shoot. That's just this is genuinely how he feels. The problem here is that we've with Omega, we've entered this Bret Hart like scenario where you saw the screw job of Bret and Vince, and to this day, you you have a lot of fans that believe the whole thing was a work. You know, so with Omega, he says all these things I about WWE. I, hmm? I, I don't know if I've ever told you. I, I do to a degree. I, the older I, I get, the older I get, the more I look back on it and do think it was a work. As, as strange as that it sounds, just, it worked. And, and granted, no one knew Brett was going to fail so bad in WCW. Although Vince, to Vince's credit, Vince has said that pretty much from day one. Um, go back and watch stuff in like even like '98. Vince is mm-hmm. like, you know, they're not going to know what to do with you. But mm-hmm. if you just look at from WCW side, and when you look at the potential. I mean, from the WWE side, and then you look at the potential on paper from a WCW aspect, Bret Hogan, Bret Sting, even Bret Flair, whatever, you know, Bret against Hall and Nash if they want to go that way. And then everything Vince got out of it, the Attitude Era, the edgier product, the Mr. Mm -hmm. McMahon character, Austin still being able to ascend to the throne. It just, there's just two... Yeah, I agree with you. I've always said that Brett was the catalyst to the Attitude Era. He was the one person. If you were to take, if you were to remove him from the equation, everything would have been so different. Stone Cold's character got over because of Brett. Vince McMahon, the Mister McMahon character, happened because of Brett. Because, the, yeah, yeah, you know, just Shawn too... Michaels being a douchey shit that happened because of Brett. If you take Brett away from the scenario, there's a lot of shit in the Attitude Era that would have never happened. Entirely, I believe Which, Rocky never gets going. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if if Brett was still there, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the whole like it's the screw job thing. Like, is it a work? Is it real? And that's kind of like where Omega is right now, because this has been going on for quite some time now. Like, this has been going on for about two years. You know, the the comments towards WWE, uh, the trolling WWE talent like Xavier. Uh, trolling Cesaro, trolling Ziggler, which, you know, Nate and I always joke about. So really what this comes down to is, like, this, this, is, this is coming down to one of two things. Because JR said, he said himself at the end of 2016, he said that in 2017 New Japan has, has plans that he wasn't at liberty to share to make New Japan go global and go mainstream. So we know that going from 2017, we know for a fact that New Japan's goal, they are trying to become bigger. I don't know if they're trying to be, become competition to WWE. That, who knows? I'm not going to say that, but they're trying to be, they're trying to establish a bigger audience, and in and, and America, that's their plan. So because of that, everything with Omega, this is leading to one of two things: 
if they really are trying to get a bigger presence in America, they do need Omega because, you know, he can speak English and he can speak Japanese. So that's true. So either it's leading to that or everything Omega is saying is work. So when he shows up to WWE, he'll just, he'll just be like a main event star. So it's like, which is it? Is it a work or is it part of New Japan's plan? And it's like, just like with Brett, um, fans because are going back problem. and forth. Here's the problem. If it was all part of New Japan's plan, the only thing you're doing here this year so far is the G1 Climax match. Mm-hmm. Not even the whole tournament like you just said. Mm-hmm. You don't have any other shows, and granted, things could change in a heartbeat. You could book something tomorrow, and you know, next thing you know, you got a whole U.S. tour laid out. But going with what you got now, you have nothing booked for the U.S. this year outside of G1. I can't see how you could—not you personally, but mm-hmm. anyone could say. There's something bigger at play here. Like, if they had announced in September we're making our U.S. debut with a monster show in Chicago or New York or L.A., then I could say, you know what, that's where you hold off the title change. Mm. You know, you know, you come into the U.S. and, you know, you pump the hell out of this amazing Omega, you know, Okada match, and you say, you know what, here's the rematch. It was so good the first time. Here's the rematch, and that's where you pop the change. Mm-hmm. There, I don't. Like I said, they could announce house uh, U.S. tour tomorrow, but until they do that, I don't. I don't think Omega. I I think they're gonna look at it as how they've always looked at it with talent. You're here, great. You're not. All right, we'll get somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, um... AJ was here one day. He was gone the next. Nakamura was here one day gone the next the cl- I, I that's the one thing and we've talked about it a million times they just it, it sometimes they're like the new england patriots of wrestling in the sense of it doesn't matter who you are they'll give you a shot and the mentality is go out and perform right you know like mm. that's what it is and that's what they are as um, a company you know, mm. I, I I don't know if, I mean, I think Omega would be nice. Obviously, they'd love to have Omega, but I don't think to them it's going to matter. And I, I think, I'm sure Omega let them know what he was thinking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure, you know, that played a role into it. Maybe if Omega told them, yeah, no, I'm going to sign for another year, maybe they turn around and, and do the change. Um, well, I, I, yeah, is, I, I just, I don't, well, the and match the match is built was, for was, a rematch. The match was so good and, and of course. so it could go either way that you could make a case for a rematch. It's one of those things where it's like, holy shit, you know, as how fast can we get Omega Okada 2 announced? Mm, and, um, as far as the match itself was concerned, you know, those people have been living under a rock. Um, when the match was over, uh, I said, to myself, that was the greatest match that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I did a post about it. Um, the match, when it was over, uh, I was drained in all areas, mentally, uh, physically, emotionally, especially those last 10 minutes. The, the last 10 minutes were so good 
that I totally forgot that wrestling was predetermined. Um, when the match was over, there was only three matches ever that made me feel that drained. Sean Taker from Mania 25, uh, Sean Angle from Mania 21, and so Joe underrated. Puck. So underrated. Yeah, so yeah, underrated. Yeah. yeah, I believe Bobby Heenan said, and that was before the, uh, the throat cancer came, uh, he said that at that point that was the best match he had ever seen in his life, Angle, Sean. And, um, and of course, uh, Punk, Joe, that, that Ring of Honor one-hour draw they had. Uh, those were the only three matches that just made me feel like when I watched it the very first time where I was just drained completely. That was what Okada Omega did. Um, and towards the end of the match, I actually thought the match was better. Uh, as far as why the match was so good, like what were the elements that made the matches good? Like, you know, a lot of fans always ask, you know, when Dave Meltzer gives the ratings, you know, like the five-star ratings and stuff, like, what exactly Meltzer gave it goes six. The rating he, system's completely broken. Yeah, yeah, he gave it six stars, you know. So a lot of fans always ask, well, what is it that gives a match five stars? To me, in my opinion, you know, we can we can talk about, you know, psychology and wrestling moves and stuff like that. To me, what makes a match get a five-star rating? In this era of wrestling, like I said in my post, it's really hard to to be genuinely in the, in the unknown with dirt sheets and the internet and stuff like that, most of the time for any wrestling company, regardless of whether it's WWE, TNA, whatever, when there's a match, if you are a wrestling fan of any kind of intelligence, you have an idea if the company's going left or if they're going right, you can tell. But when you have a match that's good and you genuinely have no idea who's going to win, that is what makes the magic. And the problem is it's so hard to create that kind of environment. As fun as Nakamura Zane was, you knew Nakamura was going to win. You're not going to have him losing his debut match. But when you did that Money in the Bank thing with CM Punk and John Cena, you didn't know who was going to win. That was the first time WWE had done something like that since the Attitude Era. You didn't know. And then it was in the Chicago crowd and the build-up. Like, you didn't know. You did not know if Punk was going to win or if Cena was going to win. And that's one of the reasons why that match got five stars. The very first Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels and Taker. You know, the Hell in a Cell had never been seen before. Fans didn't know, you know, where to take it. Shawn and Taker were like in the same place in the card at the time. You didn't know who was going to win. And then Kane showed up. Who the fuck is this guy? Is he going to choke slam Shawn? Is he going to choke slam Taker? Like, who the fuck is he? You don't know. There's just a, a lot of times in a five star match, you don't know. And it's, it's, really, it's really hard to create that kind of environment. And unfortunately, as as the internet becomes more powerful, it's becoming harder and harder to have a five-star match because almost anything can be leaked online now. But that was what made Okada Omega uh, so good for me. And probably the, 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 thing to, the thing to me, as far as Omega's future, what really confused me was the Young Bucks did not interfere at all. So it's like normally in Omega's matches, the Young Bucks, they interfere. Uh, there's some kind of shenanigans. And the entire time, it was like they were there for moral support. You know, it almost Omega kind of turned face, if you ask me. Like, he entered the match as a heel, and um, he fought Okada, like, straight up. Uh, the one thing about the match that I'll give, though, is that uh, Omega was working on Okada's back the entire match. 
So he was working on Okada's back so much that when he finally hit the Rainmaker clothesline, it wasn't as impactful as it could have been, which mm-hmm. is why he kept trying to hit Omega with it so many times. And another a good storytelling was that Omega never hit his finisher on Okada. He kept going for the one-wing angel, and Okada kept getting out of it. And every time Omega even attempted it, Okada just desperately fought out of it, almost as if like Okada knew I'm fucked, you know. So the fact that Omega never even hit the move, that to me tells me, okay, there's probably going to be a rematch in the works. But uh, it was literally the greatest match I've ever seen in my life, and Meltzer gave it uh, six stars. It broke the rating scale, and of course, a lot of Shawn Michaels' Taker fans are totally fucking triggered. And if you're triggered, then I don't want to hear your opinion until you watch both matches. I'm going to be honest with you, and this could be the age I'm 40 now, so you guys can officially call me the old man of PWP, basically. <laughs> you know, hey, go talk to JCD. He'll tell you about things in the 80s. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's still Savage Steamboat. That was a good match, too. The problem with that match is, unfortunately, and it's, it's not their fault. The problem with that match, that match does not age well to a lot of new fans. Because wrestling matches today... <laughs> are more high-flying, and they have more high spots, whereas that match had more like psychology and near falls, which unfortunately is not and something you see. And a great story. The story gets lost in that ma- be, uh, behind yeah. that match. The story gets lost. Savage crushing, you mm. know, Steamboat's larynx, and one of the greatest moments ever in a backstage segment, Bruno in his interview with Sue calling Savage a piece of mm. slime and choking him. <laughs> That was but, a, that was a good match. It's just it doesn't it doesn't age well to a lot of newer no, fans. It and that's WWE it's not that fault. it doesn't age well because the match itself does. It's because fans that watch it now, like fans in their twenties, and I'm not crapping on you, young kids today, and your mm-hmm. internets and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. They're so used to where's the over the top rope dives, where's the twelve super kicks, where's mm-hmm. the big lunge off the top rope. And it's like, you know what, that match didn't didn't need it. Like, even Savage Taker, and I'm not crapping on Savage Taker. Savage, I mean, mean not Savage Taker, Sean Taker. Mm -hmm. You know the problem with with Sean Taker is? You needed that big Taker dive over the top rope where he wiped out, what's his name, Uh, uh, Sim Snooker, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wasn't there that spot? I know they did it in WrestleMania at the rematch, but I'm didn't they do a table spot at 25-2 where, like, Michaels, like, dove and ended up on the table? Or was that just 26? That was, that was 26. Okay, all right. But yeah. even still, you had the multiple moonsaults. How many times Savage would hit Taker with the elbow? How many times, you know, Taker would hit Michaels with a tombstone? Savage and Steamboat, they just went through their motions. And when it came time, Steamboat caught him. And that's what made that match. And My favorite. <clears throat> to me, and listen, I, I went to bed the other night wondering how I had lived for 40 years without seeing Okada and Omega. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Okada Omega is probably two on my list. But mm-hmm. I, for me, it's Savage Steamboat. It is. I, was, I grew up with it, and I remember that story. Too. Like I said, that story gets lost in all that. That was a great freaking story. I was, I was 10 years old, horrified 
that Savage crushed Steamboat's larynx to the point where I refused to put my chin on anything as a kid because I thought I can crush my throat and never talk again. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And they did, they did those promos with Steamboat trying to, like, trying to regain his voice and speak out words. And it was like, like, you look at it now and you're like, holy shit, like, they really built this up. And then they had the Saturday Night's Main event where it was Savage and Steel, and Steel kept saying he had a surprise, he had a surprise, and nobody took Steel seriously. And just, I think, right after the match, Savage went, went to go hit Steel with, like, another elbow, and Steamboat just came out. And he just started, like, with the karate poses, just was like, come on, you and me, motherfucker, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, you could just tell, if Steamboat could have killed Savage right then and there, he would have. And it, it was great. It was great. You, you want, and I'll tell you else too why Savage Steamboat doesn't get all the love it deserves. Because Steamboat dropped the belt three weeks later. Yeah, that's another that, thing too. Steamboat yeah. kind of fucked that up. And I, I think that kind of, you know, wait a minute. You built this up. You had this great match. You ended Savage's year-plus-long reign to get rolled up in six minutes by the Honky Tonk Man on Wrestling Challenge. You know, like, I think that kind of also hurts the value of that match. Where Personally. Where would have went on, let's say, till like, the summer or the fall and had a decent run and then dropped it somewhere there. Mm-hmm. I think then it would hold a little better because then you could say, well, look at how good. I mean, Savage came out of that match, and part of it, too, was Savage disappeared for a while after that. He worked some house shows with Hogan and then kind of disappeared the entire summer until he started that face run when he wanted the IC title back. You know, so it was kind of hard to say, well, okay, well, who came out of it? Well, Savage came out and did dot, dot, dot. That, that wasn't there for Savage because Savage, like I said, was gone until the late summer, early fall. Okay, well, what did Steamboat get out of it? Oh, he dropped the title to Honky Tonk Man three weeks later. Well, that fucking mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, personally, um, my favorite uh, spot of the, uh, of the match was uh, – there was a table outside uh, to the fans listening. There was a table outside on the go-home show uh, to Wrestle Kingdom Omega put Okada through the table. So there was a table outside, and it was out there for a long time. And you knew somebody was going to go through it. And usually in wrestling today, when there's a table spot, there's some type of crazy, like, holy shit moment. But it was just a simple back body drop where Omega ran at Okada, and he did a simple back body drop with Omega went through the table. Like, that's a very old school. And to school. Omega's credit, Omega sold it like he got shot. Right, right. I, 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 that's a very old school, like, table spot that you don't see anymore. Nope. And, uh, and, he, and he sold it. And I, another great spot was uh, when Okada hit Omega with the Rainmaker, and uh, he knew it wasn't enough, and so he picked him up again, and he held Omega's hand trying to get him another one, and Omega just gave him vicious uh, knee kicks. Uh, Omega, uh, as you saw in the match, Omega is very good. At, he, he's very similar to Owens, where he'll emulate someone. Uh, he'll emulate uh, Okada's drop kick. Uh, he has his own version of the Bumae, as, as as fans saw. He's very good at doing a jumping knee. Uh, he need Okada like right in the right like uh, near the temple, like several times. He, yeah. he fucked he fucked him up pretty three good. Inches, th- two or three inches over, and Okada's a fucking vegetable right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he needs. And Okada oh. said it. Okada said it. I felt like he, I died. <laughs> like, I, I saw what Okada said after the match. He's like, 
I'm fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. He kneed him to the face like three times, and then he hit him with the Rainmaker anyway. So um, um, when the match was over, uh, uh, Gato, uh, Okada's manager, uh, put over Omega, and he said that Omega was the best gaijin that uh, he had ever seen. Um, So that's a a big compliment, saying that he was better than Styles, uh, better than... uh, than uh, Angle, better than Lesnar, like just straight up uh, best mm-hmm. match you've ever seen. So um, what confused me, as what confused me personally was the, the the two things that confused me was I can't get over the fact that the Bucks didn't interfere at all because they always interfere and they didn't. So the fact that they didn't uh, interfere, and and then the very next night on New Year's Dash, uh, you were expecting something, uh, you know, like a story or a promo, you were expecting something to see where Kenny goes from here. And uh, there think, was there I was nothing. The reason why you didn't get that, I'll be honest with you, I honestly believe he doesn't know what he's going to do. Right. I think I think he ends up going to WWE. I do. But mm-hmm. I think if you asked Omega right now at 440 on Friday afternoon, I think Omega will honestly tell you he doesn't know. And I think right. unlike with AJ last year and Nakamura, I think what happened was I don't think they wanted to – book themselves into something uh, mm-hmm. without knowing. I mean, obviously he didn't sign anything. Um, mm. You know, the whole, I got to, I got to take some time away and I got, I got to really, it, you kind of read between the lines. It looks like he's got a lot on the table. No, I'm, I'm sure he does. That um, he needs to, he needs to break down. And you don't want to sit there if you're new Japan and say, okay, we're going to book this angle where, you know, the Bucks are going to super kick you, you know, and or Adam Cole's going to come out and do this to you. And then you give Omega the mindset, well, okay, I guess you're forcing me out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, because now how do I come back with the Bucks? You know, okay, I guess you want me to sign with WWE. I, I think uh, the thing about it uh, that makes the match, um, that makes the status of Omega so un- unusual is as great as the match was, it had a clean finish, you know, so there was, you you could do a rematch because it was so good. Right, but you, you don't you, have you, that controversy. Yeah, 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 you don't, you don't have, there's no, there's no justification. My foot was for, under the rope. Right, so it know. was just a clean, it was a clean finish. And then when you look at New Year's Dash, uh, Kenny's future is very, is left ambiguous, sort of. So as far as where Kenny goes from here, um, before Wrestle Kingdom, like, I've known about Omega for a while. I've known about him, and uh, sometimes I do this. I think some fans do this. Sometimes when I see someone in the indies and I hear about them, sometimes I check out their work, and then when I hear about others, I hear good things, but I don't watch them that much because I know sooner or later they're going to be elsewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind, of, that's kind of how it was for me with Omega. I didn't really watch a lot of his work. Because I figured sooner or later at some point, you know, he'll be in a company in America. So when I saw his performance at Wrestle Kingdom 11, it was the first time I really saw, like, a lot of this stuff that he could do. Um, I was always under the impression that if he ever did come to America and if he ever did come to WWE, uh, you know, it would be the usual, you know, NXT, you know, TakeOver, whatever. He'll debut, whatever, be there for, like, a few months and then be main roster. But uh, after that match at Wrestle Kingdom, no. If, if he if, if he goes to WWE now, there's there's no NXT. He's skipping that entirely. The only reason he would go to NXT would be for the Nakamura match. 
Right, right. And now since they're doing Hero Nakamura. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, let's get to that. Yeah, since you could do, because I, I could easily see, I could easily see, because what, what I would do, I was talking to Nate, and Nate had like an impromptu show uh, earlier today. Yeah, and, he uh, and, me, he, uh, this is why Nate drives me crazy. He sends me a message on fa- Facebook with just the phone number and the Lincoln number. So I was out, I had a doctor's appointment. I'm like, okay, what time? Mm-hmm. No answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he does have some time. <laughs> I, like, I called Dude. in. I, I called in like uh, super late. He had like uh, ten minutes left. But uh, Nate, he's a troll and he's silly. But one thing I will give Nate is when it comes to like, uh, despite his silliness, um, he's very good at spotting a work. And mm-hmm. I remember like from the very beginning because you know we we've had this joke between us for a while now between Omega and Ziggler. Um, as far back as like 2015, Nate looked at Omega and he was like, "This shit's a fucking work. He's gonna he's gonna be in WWE. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be in WWE like soon." And uh, so you know, but um, his idea was actually pretty cool. He said that what he would have did is he would have had Nakamura uh, lose to Chris Hero, and then uh, after Chris Hero beats him, Nakamura debuts. Uh, for the sake of argument, let's just say he's gonna be on Raw. And you could debut him on the post-Mania Raw. And something that's very rarely done, you rarely see it anymore. Sometimes you have what's known as a double debut or a double return. The most obvious example is like when The Undertaker came back and Triple H, and Triple H interrupted him. You know? So a double, it's, it's hard to pull off, but it's possible. So he said he would have Nakamura debut. And then in Nakamura's debut, Omega debuts that same show. It just takes him out uh, on a post-Mania Raw, you know, which would be, I could totally see that. It would be huge. It would be amazing. It would be a double debut. Uh, as far as Omega's future is concerned, all I'll say is this. Um, if he wants to go to WWE now, in his case, in his particular case, because normally for anyone else, I would say, you know, you can wait a bit. You know, like Cole, you can wait a now bit. Kyle, you can wait a bit. Now is the time. Because Wrestle Kingdom is still fresh in the minds of fans. Rumble is three weeks away. Rumble always has surprises. It has debuts. It has returns. Uh, if he was to debut in Rumble three weeks from now, it would be received very well. Uh, the pop would be big, just like when AJ debuted, yep. and he would be a star. Only right now, like if, if he waits, like if he stays in New Japan, if he wants to have another match with Okada, that's cool. If he wins the IWGP title, that's cool. Like If, if he wins the belt later, and then he drops it, and then he ends up coming he to WWE. He waits another year. He's yeah. got to go NXT. He's got right. to. Yeah, he'll, he'll go he, to NXT He'll then. have to go to NXT for the wrong reasons, though. Like, mm-hmm. this, like now, you could sit there and say, okay, it would suck that he would go to NXT, but you know what? It's for the Nakamura match. I get it. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. A year from now, Nakamura is probably going to be on the main roster. You're right, and I don't know how he could have anything better than he had with Okada, and I don't know, like you said right. before, how he could have a better year than he had this year. You'd have to put him in an XT because some of that buzz would have died down. Mm-hmm. So if because, he wants to go to WWE, he needs to go right now. Because now. Yeah. if he goes, if he goes right now, he, he will have a better chance of being able to call his shot mm-hmm. now than he mm-hmm. would six months to a year from now. If, if he if he goes to WWE right now, he'll be in the Rumble match, and then depending on the reaction of how fans respond, then they'll take it from there. Yeah. You know, if the fans well, respond well, you're in the Rumble well, match. Let's see how it goes. 
Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, you'll be in NXT. But if it goes well in the Rumble, we'll we'll figure out where we're going to put you on the main roster. And another thing that makes Omega different, because a lot of fans also want to know, like again, what makes him so different? What makes Omega so different is because of who he is, and because of his Bullet Club history and stuff like that. There's literally like four yeah, different options. people. Yeah. There's like four different people he could have a WrestleMania match with right now. You and could AJ. do. You could do Omega AJ. You could do Omega Nakamura. Um, if you wanted, for whatever reason, if you wanted to make Xavier a star, you know, you could even do Omega Xavier. Um, mm-hmm. Or you could have Xavier say, hey, I need to prove myself. I mean, he wouldn't beat Omega, but it would still put him over. Um, yeah, so like Omega, there's Omega AJ, there's Omega Nakamura, there's Omega Xavier, there's Omega Cesaro, there's Omega Ziggler. Uh, See, no offense o- to Xavier. Mm-hmm. No offense to Xavier, but I I think if um Omega were to come in and jump to the main roster, I think what you have to do at that point, I I think Omega would have, and I hate to say this, but he would have to destroy, um, what you call it, Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's I, fine. I, I think I think he I think he I think I think Xavier has to has to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fine. Um, I don't make his hands. I don't. I don't believe. Uh, yeah, I think the only the only top guy he wouldn't really have any history with is Owens. It'll be a good match, but they don't really have any history together. So, but yeah, Omega has like four matches he could have like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that Wrestle Kingdom thing it it totally pushed him to another level. Yeah. But but yeah, so like he you wants said, to do... it, it's also it's also pushed the clock. Mm-hmm. He doesn't okay. have much time. It's just uh, it's just three weeks. Um, yeah, but the that, Rumble... you know what you know what. I get what you're saying with the Rumble. You could even probably get him in after that. Because mm-hmm. you could probably, but you got to do it the right way. Like, you'd have to run vignettes. Like, you've heard, like, something along, like, you've heard the buzz. Like, without addressing the match itself, mm-hmm. now, you know, I don't know how you word it, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, you've heard the yeah, buzz, yeah. and now he's yeah. coming here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and no one's safe or some, something like that. And, you know, you could bring him in that way, mm-hmm. post. But you're a hundred percent right, though. the The bottom line is the because that match was so good. I think you're right. The clock is one thousand percent ticking. You could even do you could even do Omega if he Balor. Wants, if, if you could he even wants do Omega have, Balor. Yeah, if he wants to have his run of the place. I mean, he could go at any time. But if mm-hmm. he really wants to have his run of the place and be able to sit there when Vince says, let's put him down in NXT for six months and see what he does, and if Hunter's on the fence about it, all he's got to do is walk up to Hunter and be like, why don't you watch this again and tell me where I'm going? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, yeah, Vince, we got to put him, you know, let's put him on SmackDown, whatever, you know, we could have him destroy Apollo Crews Tuesday night. The <laughs> thing is, yeah, and another thing is... Whereas if he, he waits, it's going to be not, Kenny. we got to get you used to the style here and, and right. all, that sh- like, all that stuff. Yeah, mm. he's he's got to strike now. And if he does come to WWE, uh, the, the Raw brand, it, it won't really be affected that much because I believe he'll be on SmackDown. But uh, if he does come to WWE, uh, it's definitely going to uh, change the plans of whatever they're going to do for the WWE title 
because I could totally see him just challenging AJ. And mm-hmm. if he challenges AJ, then that would definitely throw whatever plans they have in the loop for Cena, Taker, Joe, and see, whoever they have. Do, what you could do, whether it be at the Rumble or Mania, because those are the next two both brand shows together, obviously you could have AJ in the club in a backstage segment, and then you could have Gals and Anderson be like, yo, did you hear who's here, who's visiting, whatever? And it could be Omega. And you could have, like, that weird stare down at first with AJ and Omega, but then have them all be like, buddy, buddy. And then you could have, like, Omega, like, yo, don't worry, AJ, we got you back, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, you know we, got, we got you, don't worry about it. And then Omega could turn around and cost AJ the title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, no. let Omega come with the cane and – Kind of like old school when Savage cost Warrior the title against um, uh, against Slaughter. Just have have what you call it. Have Omega just bash the cane over AJ's head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you could definitely do that, but unfortunately for him, or unfortunately or fortunately, depending on who you talk to, um, you know he's a very interesting case. Uh, we've never we've never encountered something like this before. Ordinarily, for most people. Uh, you know, their contract expires, you know, you wait for it to expire, or they allow their contract to expire, they show up in wherever they're going to go, WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, whatever, they debut, and you just go from there. Uh, normally, ever since the, you know, the popularity and the growth of NXT, most folks, you know, they go there, you know, we see them in the crowd to take over, or they get a vignette at NXT, and then they debut at a takeover, or something like that. You know, they stay there for X amount of months, X amount of years, and they show up in WWE. You know, so AJ Styles so far, uh, he's pretty much like the only one. Yeah, but he, here's the other just... thing, and I don't mean to be Mr. Buzzkill here. Did we hear that Okada actually resigned too? Um, Okada. I mean, I mean, we're all kind of a, you know, we're all kind of wrapped up in Omega and O'Reilly and Cole, but did we actually hear that? Okada resigned. I mean, I know it's more than likely, but mm-hmm. has that actually come out? <laughs> because no. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he goes to the he goes to the NXT show in San Antonio or Orlando for WrestleMania. Tri- eventually, Triple H is just going to lock the door and be like, "No, you can't leave." <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know Vince is just going to be like, "Yeah, no, you're you're staying." <laughs> <laughs> You know, enough of this shit. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. Japanese talents are very elusive. I mean, sooner, my, my prediction is, my prediction that, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with, um, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the whole uh, Suge Knight uh, death row thing, you know, Tupac and Biggie, the stuff they, they, that Suge Knight did to get certain people signed on his label and stuff mm-hmm. like that. My, my prediction for Triple H is at some point, He's probably gonna like the next time Kota Bushi shows up to like work at NXT show. Hang him over a he, building. <laughs> he's, he's gonna kidnap Bushi, put him in a door, and be like, "Here's what's gonna happen: You're gonna sign this piece of paper, or I'm gonna break your knee." Or you're something you're like gonna that. sign this piece of paper. You're gonna, uh, or, or else I'm gonna break your knee, and you're gonna sign this piece of paper, and you're gonna put over Rich Swan. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's cool to see Kota, but Triple H, even even his patience has his limits. There's no way Kota's gonna show up again. And he just works something and leaves. So if, yeah. if Coda if, if like, shows I, I, up again. I kind of thought Coda would be the WrestleMania Cruiserweight opponent. Mm-hmm. But first, if that happens, you're right. Coda's not leaving. Or else, I don't know if Coda's married or has any children. Mm-hmm. Triple H will own the children at some point. Like, 
he will yeah, have the kids uh, in a cage or something. Yeah, so if Cody's but, listening, or, be careful, man. Or, if you get that phone call or from Triple H. Hunter's gonna, or Hunter's going to tell him no. You're not working Mania without a mm-hmm. without a deal. Like, I, it, all, all kidding aside, like, I don't think Triple H is going to – it's one thing to put him in the Dusty Classic because you know at some point his team was going to lose. So it was like, all right, you know what, we'll have you put over, mm-hmm. you know, somebody. And I think he took the pin in that match. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so it's one thing to get that out of him, but I don't think Hunter's going to give him something big, major like WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Even if it was, you know, all right, we'll just have Swan beat him or Neville, whatever, whoever the face of the Cruiserweight division is by then, because God knows we're probably going to get, like, six more number one mm. contenders before we get to Mania and whatnot. You know, I don't think Hunter will let him do that. I don't, I don't think he will. Well, as attractive as that is, I don't think he will. Mm, well, if they, do, if, they do, if they do a season two of CWC, that's the one thing they need to make sure. They need to make sure everyone's contract status that's, before. I was just going to say that for this U.K. tournament and for the women. I don't think mm-hmm. they're not going to do this anymore based on, you know, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with it in two months, mm-hmm. you know. Because look at it. Everybody who they're focusing the division around right now, except for TJP, lost early in that tournament. Swan lost to Nice. You know, Kendrick lost. I mean, Kendrick's match was great, but still, Kendrick lost early. Mm. And now these are the guys that couldn't get out the out of the round of 16 who are mm. now running your division. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest, yeah, that's, that's the biggest uh, what the fuck of the whole division. None of the big guns are there. <laughs> and then you, know? you have Gargano and, and Ciampa who are still in NXT. Right, why why would you – I can understand having them in the tournament, but why advertise them like they're going to be part of the division if you're going to put the NXT tag titles on them? Mm -hmm. And then the one that gets me is, you know, I didn't didn't care for him at first, but as the tournament went on, uh, he grew on me. I I really liked Grand Metalik. I liked him. He's finishing up. I was looking him up the other day because someone had mentioned something with him, and I was looking him up to see maybe if he was injured, and they said that he – He's just got a lot to finish up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why, you know, it's, yeah, he's just got a lot of stuff to finish up. And then he'll be in. I, I think they thought he was going to be in by now, but I, I read something, and it was dated like two days ago, that mm-hmm. he's just, he's got, he had a bold it's almost, mode. It's almost kind of like a. Yeah, the Cruiserweight division is almost kind of like, uh, you know, when, when they did the invasion thing of WCW. Like, the roster they had was good, but it didn't have any of the big names that fans knew from WCW. Knowing what we know now about who's going to be in it, who's coming in, who's who's on the contract but finishing up, you you could have waited. They should have In waited. hindsight. You could have debuted it, you know, the night after WrestleMania. You know, if, mm. if you had to wait for Metallic. And, you know, Tazawa, I know they had a Tazawa promo finally Tuesday night, mm-hmm. but, you know, even Gallagher had to finish up some stuff, you know. And, and It's almost like a, the, the division is almost like a fighting game. You know, like how nowadays everything's all about DLC, like a game yeah. comes out, and then like two months later, DLC, yep. like four new characters. This, that's yeah. almost kind of, that's that's what, kind of yeah. like how the division is. It's like yeah. every two months it's like, oh, here's a new cruiseway, and it's like some guy – who we wanted to see like two months prior. Well, here yeah. he is now. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it looks. I mean, they got the right idea. I really do think they do. It's just 
they gotta they gotta get everybody in to implement it. Like I like Tajiri as the veteran. I like Kendrick mm-hmm. as the veteran. You know, TJP is name value in the sense that he was like the first champion. Mm-hmm. You've got this shit with Cedric and Dar, and apparently the reason why Vince loves Dar is because have you seen this? That Vince loves the fact that when Dar says Fox, it sounds like fucks, and Vince thinks he's right. getting away with cursing on television. <laughs> That's so Vince. That sounds like that Vince. is that is Vince. Ha! Look at that. We just said fucks three times on television. <laughs> you That's know. so Vince. That's so Vince. I you know, that. like you got Gallagher as as a personality, and the you know what? Say what you will, but I think Davari is like the perfect foil for Gallagher right now. Hmm. You know, like, like, you know, the Var, the Vari physically can obviously just manhandle and destroy Gallagher, but yet Gallagher like outsmarts him and like hits him with an umbrella. <laughs> I like that, uh, that Mustafa Ali guy. I like. Yeah, him. yeah, he's pre- he's pretty cool. You know, but he's another guy who just got started. You know, like mm-hmm. you gotta get, they gotta get, they gotta figure out what they got. Oh, you one know? last thing. Uh, shout outs to Neville for using the superplex as a finisher. That's like yes. really old school, really, yes. really old school. So yes, two uh, straight weeks. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm assuming Neville will get. We got to wrap it up, but I'm assuming Neville will get the title match at the Rumble. Yeah, yeah. Let him, let him, let him be champion for a bit. And, yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, oh. Aries heals soon, and uh, then when he heals, I, I think uh, that's what it's gonna be. I think once Aries is ready to go, I think you're gonna see Aries get up from that commentary booth and, and lay Swan out. I don't think Neville's the guy to beat Swan, but I could see I could see Neville. Then what would be great would be as Neville's destro- uh, as Aries is destroying Swan, a Tommy's music hits. They're and saving that for post-Mania Raw, probably. Yeah, and a Tommy goes after Aries, and, and there's your two cornerstone guys of the division. And just so fans should know before we leave, uh, because uh, this is just something that hasn't we talked about it last year and this is something that hasn't occurred to fans now but since Raw is live and since Smackdown is live that means we'll get post Smackdown post Mania Smackdown live show now so yep. that'll be different they're and offering that, it as the travel package you mm-hmm. can they are offering the the Smackdown show as well so get get ready <laughs> And because of the success of SmackDown, there's a good chance that the post-Mania SmackDown could probably be even crazier. And also, technically, technically, we got post-Mania 205 live. So you could do something there, too, I guess. I mean, oh, we'll have to see. Fuck. You have to see, I guess. So, but oh, I'm actually very, I'm very curious to see, uh, I'm curious to see uh, post Mania SmackDown. I think uh, by the time 205 comes, though, that night, all, all kidding aside... Especially with the people that bought like those six, I I think two hundred five is going to be a ghost town. Aw, those poor guys. That's the problem. That's the other thing they brought up on that JBL special that bring it to the table. Yeah. You know, and and that JBL was, was like, yeah, I, I kind of didn't like that myself. Yeah, but part of it is because part of it is because I just I don't. It was too WWE ish for me. And the main the main issue with the show it's one thing it's one thing if like fans are bitching, but um, when fans are bringing up legit criticisms, yeah. like legit concerns, and then they just dismiss it as fans bitching, like that. Yeah, that's not a too smart much thing. That. Yeah, that's not smart to do. You do that the week of Wrestle Kingdom, and and then you do that right before you start your biggest time of the year. Like 
that's that's not smart. No. Um, yeah, that's not smart. Yeah, but, that, uh, that was rough. And but you know, JBL was like, "Well, you perform where you perform, whether it's in front of eighty thousand or eight hundred. And it's like, yeah, but you're not. Listen, it's one thing if a house doesn't draw, but you're not really giving these guys much to work with after SmackDown. That's true. You yeah. know. It's like when I mean, you if anything, for a class. you eliminated you eliminated taping the main main event before SmackDown. Tape two hundred five before then. Tape it before. Tape it that hour before. The cruiserweights are not on SmackDown, so there's nothing that will happen on SmackDown that will affect two hundred five live. Mhm. They've booked themselves into a corner because if they tape it before SmackDown, then technically you make SmackDown three hours. Yeah, but SmackDown's three hours now anyway. I guess. Because so, you're still running the hour after. Yeah, this whole thing is just set up to fail. I don't know why. And you're they did still it gonna way. have the people that are leaving early are the same people that are gonna come halfway through two oh five because SmackDown starts at eight and they'll get there at seven forty. They're the same people that are leaving at ten twenty. You know, so mm. Yeah, I, I I, I I would do it before, you know, and I I could see them doing that if that if it starts to get to a point where it's like okay, especially if the camera side starts getting empty, I I think that's when you're gonna see all right, you know what we need we need to we we need to do this a little differently. I would have just from the beginning I would have made it just part of NXT. I didn't think the main roster part was necessary. But since Raw's yeah. three hours, that, well, guess, that was what it was. Oh, wait, wait till we get to cruiserweights. Then you won't have these Darren Young, Titus O'Neil segments anymore. And it's true, we don't. But they're not filling that hour. You're getting one match, if that. You know, you're not mm-hmm. getting two or three matches. They're, they're, yeah, it's like they're using cruiserweights in the same way that they did use those segments. Um, it's just the little stuff, you know. They, well, no, they it's use, not even that. It's not even that. It's it's, oh, oh, my God, imagine if Raw was two hours. You wouldn't have the Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, Bob Backlund segment. You wouldn't have Goldust and R-Truth against, you know, this one segment. Okay, you're right. We took that stuff out. But the problem is, wait till the Cruiserweights come, wait till the Cruiserweights come. The problem is, yeah, you took away the, you know, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young segment, but you didn't get rid of the Goldust, R-Truth, Shining Star segment. Or the, you know... This bad segment, that bad segment, you know, that's the problem. What got me was um, probably, um, well, the the introduction was horrible. That 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 first week where Mick Foley was in the ring and he just looked like a deer lost in the headlights. Where he yeah. was introducing them, that was bad. Yeah, but those I, guys, I, those guys deserved better. And you got Foley there, like stumbling his way through the fucking. Yeah, I just, I, I just choked that up. That's and maybe what he they was unprepared. need. That's but, what they uh, need. They need an authority figure for the cruiserweights. Hmm. I wonder who they could get for that. I guess Aries. Well, he's on commentary already. Yeah. So that's what you need. You need, you need somebody who can turn around and be that authority figure for the cruiserweights. That's what you mm-hmm. need. For me, the the segment where I knew that it was a bust because every fan kind of had the realization when they realized the division wasn't like the way they're currently booking it wasn't working. The segment for me, where I knew it was a bust was like uh, Cedric was fighting somebody, and then, like, I think he lost the match or something, 
And then, like, as he lost the match, like, uh, that Norm Dar kid came out, and uh, he was cutting a promo, and I was just looking at it, and I was like, no, like, this, this is not... This is not what Cruiserweight should be doing. Like that's yeah. something that's that's something you see. That's, it's very WWE light. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Yeah, There's but a, I know it's, it's very instead of letting two guys just compete because they're competing. Compete. Yeah. It's, now it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, now we've got storyline and we've got characters. Yeah, right? yeah. That's 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 not what what Cruiserweights are. Right. You know, that's, that, that's not, not what not this how, was meant for. Yeah, you know, so they're they're booking them in a WWE light ish way. It's, yeah. You can t- you can tell the powers backstage creatively. They don't understand. Well, that like I said, you, Vince thinks he's cursing on TV. <laughs> Vince is silly. <laughs> yeah, but all right, dude, I'm gonna run. Right. Uh, right, let's dude. see what comes out over the weekend, and let's see what Raw is Monday. Maybe I'll do something Tuesday afternoon. Okay. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.